Welcome to episode 441 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Right, team, welcome along to episode 441 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I'm pretty good, and you? Oh, mate, top of the morning. Top of the morning Although, to you. When's our summer coming? Yeah, I know. It's supposed to be today. 20, 25, 26 degrees. Based on what so. we're looking at out the window right now, this big windy overcast day. It's windy everywhere. Is it really? Windy all over New Zealand, windy all over Australia. It's just a windy time of the year. Yep. Well, I didn't know that. Well, I've just learned you something. You learn something every day, every day on I Am Talk. If so, you get that in your local pub quiz this weekend, where is it windy at the moment? New Zealand. I tell you what, have you done a pub quiz in a while? No. Uh, yeah, no, fairly recently. How'd you go? We did all right. We, I think we got, uh, I know we got cleaned out, that's right. Yeah, talk a big game. We were coming second, and then the last round You just was dropped double, the ball, didn't you? It was you had double, the try line in front of you. was it? It was double points. Double point, man. And it was on some stupid topic, like... But why did you choose these double points? You no, get to choose no, the rounds. No, you didn't get to choose double oh. points. It was like Star Wars characters or something stupid oh, double points. Wait a second, you've got a kid? Not, much, not Star Wars, I mean Star Trek, something like Star oh, Trek. Star Trek, is, it's totally different. It's one of the drop kicks. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Star Trek lovers, that was a joke. Um, I'm Talk is proudly brought to you by... Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. And extreme endurance. Galactic buffer. Okay, Jumbo, what we want my, me to down? My ears are getting blasted. Wait a second, which one? Are you that one there? Can yep. you hear anything? Uh, yeah, yeah. Tell this me when. we quality podcast. Yeah, we're good, yes. we're good. Good times. Okay, in this week's show we've got... We've got Jumbo, we've got a bit of news, and it's obviously going to be mainly focused on Challenge Bahrain. We've got an age group of the week, we've got Statistic. I'm going to have to grab an age group of the week because I didn't put one in the show notes, but yeah, oh. we all, I'll get one. Okay, we don't have to. But no, okay. we will. Yeah, okay. uh, we've got an interview with Scott Molina. We have. 7.45. We it's have. It's here in the, in the show notes. Yeah. What's he, what's he going to talk about? Well, I was. Um, Steve Head passed away a few weeks ago, and unfortunately we never got around to having him on our Legends show, and we mm. certainly should have. So I thought it would be uh, apt to get Scott in to talk a bit about him. He had a fair amount to deal with him during his pro career and just reminisce a little bit because uh, we didn't get a chance to celebrate the impact that he had on triathlon, which, as you'll hear, was pretty significant in terms of uh, technology, racing wheels, and what have you. So if you don't know um, what Steve Head, who he is, uh, Head wheels were sort of the, at the very forefront in the early years of developing uh, aerodynamic wheels. Have you seen The Princess Bride? I think you asked me this last week. Yeah, have you seen it? Yes. Have you shown your kids it? No. Oh, It's the best movie of all time. Oh, you said this last week. I know, I know. But the thing is, I read the book on The Princess Bride last week, a couple of weeks right. ago. And they were talking about Andre the Giant. Yes. Did I talk about this last week? You did talk oh, about this last I week. myself. Yeah. <laughs> What's with that about? <laughs> Stevie's like Andre the Giant, basically, this real guard. Okay. Anyway, um, and maybe a question and answer at the end. So what we do have is we have Challenge Bar Rain happen last weekend. Now, it was Saturday night, 5 o'clock. Start with time in New Zealand. 5.30. 5.30. Yeah. And, I, and, and I thought to myself, I was on the piano. I thought, oh, Challenge Bar Rain's about to start. So I jumped off the piano, mm. picked up the laptop, about to watch Challenge Bar Rain. My friends turned up. Ah. So I didn't actually watch any of it. Well, luckily for you and for everybody else out there, when I had a look yesterday, all the live streaming is still up there. So yeah, the you can actually rewatch it. Yeah, yeah, the same deal with with the Kona coverage. You can go in there, um, but you know, watching 
four and a half hours of live coverage when you already know the result. It's yeah, it's not uh, as no, good I, as watching I the live thing. Thing. Yesterday morning when I was doing some work, I had it on in the background. And I watched about forty minutes of it, and then I was mm. like, mm. once you know the result. So I, I I watched, got home in time from being out to watch the entire run, and then I've gone back and had a little bit of a look through parts of the bike race and the swim, and it was uh, it was good racing, but not necessarily. I think the result was uh, what we expected on the guys' side of things, or you know there was there was various different ways it could have gone, but not a particularly surprising result on the guys' side of things. And the girls' race did to some degree pan out how I kind of thought it might do with the the you know the swimmers getting the swim bikers getting away and, and shutting out the runners. So um, I, I think. Yeah, in terms of the coverage, first thing, if you didn't see it, as I said, it's still up there. Um, that was a big question I had was what was the coverage going to be like? You know, well, it's uh, interesting when you put the question up on Facebook and if we've got um, pretty positive really. Stuart Eager's got great coverage, WTT, take note. This is how you uh, cover a triathlon event. Uh, what would make it amazing is split times. Surely they can get, that can't be too hard to have some chip mats out on the course. Jens Olsen, Jens Du Olsen, he's got a, uh, yep, great coverage and it's great to see um, a lot of the girls. Um, who else? Pretty much on, on here, everyone was pretty positive about the coverage. Yes, yeah, so I mean, picture quality was impressive you know that was head and shoulders above what you would get at uh, Kona and what you get at um, you know they, they have done coverage of 70.3 in the past so that was head and shoulders above um, above anything else we've seen at long distance triathlon I still think this is not as good as the ITU coverage the ITU coverage is just immaculate and it basically has everything you you yep. need to need but different story you know in an ITU race you've got 95% of the field usually together on the bike and yep. so it's a lot easier to coverage cover rather than it being spread out all over the place so and also they do that eight times a year don't they it's funny mm. funny old machine isn't mm. it so so coverage was was fantastic thought the commentators were really good so they had uh, a lead guy an English dude who was who was good and then they had um, Macca in there for, for a fair chunk of it and they also had Frodo, didn't uh, Fredino in there yeah. and he, he was really good as well it's um, sort of the swim because I watched, I watched the swim yeah the, he, he came in and out he was uh, he, he was in and out quite a bit so uh, that was good um, but again and this is often my gripe and as some people have pointed out they did have a couple of splits going over a few uh, timing match chips but not enough, and they didn't have the blog update like you would get on the um, w Ironman coverage. So what you saw was basically what the commentators saw, and that was pretty much all the information they had um, out there. So really think they need to just up the game a bit in terms of the, the splits, um, up the game a bit in terms of maybe having a few more spotters out there. But for a first-time attempt, I thought it was uh, it was pretty good coverage. They did... You know, focus a lot on the the leaders, but then they did scan back and back and forth. Uh, you know, enough for my liking. You can't, you know, in a long distance race when it's that spread out to cover absolutely everybody perfectly is pretty bloody difficult. But um, overall, I thought it was uh, it was pretty good and it was enough to keep me sitting there watching it. Well, well we got an email from James DeWise one Botel, and he wasn't as positive about the coverage. Um, he's got um, just, uh, coverage was pretty poor of a decent race, amateur coverage, poor camera work, and uh, just focus on the leading men and women with poor information updates on status and development of the race behind the front too uh, poor preparation by the crew uh, more editors and production for actual commentators average storytelling engagement of the audience by the commentators the commentators typically, typically cop way more criticism than is deserved and it's the editors and producers who need to focus he reckons that next time they need better skilled cameramen 
uh, like the Tour de France, apparently. Um, better preparation, uh, the brakes uh, to talk gear, triathlon and all that kind of stuff. None of that was there to the level of quality that it needs to be to attract sponsorship and attract viewers. A better production, it's a desert, desert uh, which means it's a desert. <laughs> there is the shot of an MU running around in the races and, and the camera held it for 30 seconds because that's what passes of interest when there is not vegetation and nothing of interest but sand, which is probably a few comment. Uh, don't be afraid to recap every 30 minutes like they do in a Tour de France. Having said that, uh, I had a good chunk of challenge by rain and I looked, took away that it was a really hard consist- contested win that was won by an outstanding performance. So... I, I, I'm comparing it more to Kona. You know, yep. that's where I'm sort of. Of course, it's nothing like the Tour de France. Let's remember we are a tiny minority sport, but I thought they did uh, a better job than what they do. Uh, easily as good, if not better. The, the picture quality was far and above um, what you get in Kona. So yeah, I thought it was pretty good. pretty re- pretty reasonable. Yep. In terms uh, of the no race, crowd. Uh, yeah, absolutely no crowd, and that's and, and you're never going to get a crowd over there. Let's no. be realistic; it's not. It's a it's a it's a minuscule sport over there, um, and they just uh, there was there was no crowd, no crowd for the pros, and certainly no crowd for for the age group as I would imagine. So, from from a racing point of view, you know that's. Uh, I don't see that changing. I think that's probably the difference between, say, doing a race in Bahrain and maybe in China, where, again, the, the sport is basically non-existent. In China, they just go, right, everybody go and watch the triathlon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And apparently they just have massive spectators really? and they're lining the whole course, <laughs> clapping and cheering, because that's what they're told to do. Um, but, yeah, there, there was no crowd, so it would have been very lonely racing out there. So, yeah, but in terms of the racing, it was uh, it was pretty good. You know, you had uh, this German dude who, you know, not many of us will have heard of unless you, you cover the sport really closely and, and watch 70.3s and what have you but a guy called and- Andreas Dreitz he just took a burner off the front of the bike and just two and a half minutes off the bike absolutely axed it he was killing himself and to be fair he got off the run and, and ran pretty good he ran a 115 he didn't look like a great runner but he still ran 115 and you know all the dudes top guys behind him are all running you know 112s and what have you so it's not like he exploded but he did look like a bit of an awkward runner uh, so a little bit about him he I mean it sh- maybe it shouldn't be a massive surprise he won challenge future Ventura this year he won uh, 70.3 Mallorca he won the city triathlon in Helber room uh, and he had a couple a second in a race and I think maybe that's hungry another half so Certainly an athlete on the rise. I think he's about 25, 26. But yeah, very much... Axed on the bike and uh, looked uncomfortable on the run, but as I said, he still still uh, yeah ran one fifteen, still came in second place. Michael Raylert looked very very impressive. You know he was. I think he was, he was first onto the bike. Uh, he wasn't first out of the swim, but he, he must have had a good transition. I think he was first onto the bike, uh, rode strong, and then you know, was was in second off the bike and you know, had that margin to make up. But you kind of felt that he was always going to do that. Ran a one ten nineteen. So 3.36.04 was not the fastest half in history. Uh, sounded like they had some headwinds on the bike, um, whereas I think the prevailing wind was supposedly normally going to be a bit more tail. Um, so he did not take it out. And Tim Reed, he had a fantastic race he as did, well. Didn't he? Yeah, he, he rode through. through. Yeah, he, ro- he rode through and then ran through. So he came off the bike in third. He got past the sort of little pack that was that came off the bike in fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh, and then just uh, ran the same as uh, the other dudes behind him. And uh, Tim Don was catching him, but then he kind of held him off, and then Tim Don they ended up running about the same run split. So, mm. well done, man! It's awesome, eh? Yeah, and then uh, my what's the pa- prize money? What's what's third? I uh, don't know off the top of my head, but 
I think it was a, it's a pretty big drop between yeah. third and fourth. Yeah, you know, it's maybe ten thousand dollars or something yeah. like that. It was yep. pretty significant. So it was enough motivation to keep going. I think. Uh, and then you had a Nico Lano. So you were surprised that I picked last week. Yeah, I no, but, him in my uh, top when I saw the results, I was like, oh wow, we did well. He was. Uh, it was. He came off the bike and he was kind of. Just like you know, going running into transition, he kind of brushes here a little bit, and he was off. And I thought, play, yeah, he looked pretty relaxed. But you know, he ran a one eleven forty, which is the, by the look of it, the second fastest run of the day. So he is not washed up quite yet. No, no, far from it. So James Canana, Jeff Simmons. Who's Asimo Kiyanga, the Italian dude. Luke Bell was ninth, and Tim Van Berkel in tenth. So. You know, it's it's a it's a bloody strong field. Yeah. Um, but I would put it as the same as seventy point three worlds in terms of strength. I think going into this race, you know, you had a few other big big names in there in terms of Ironman big names, but in terms of the actual quality of the field, I would say it's it's very much on par with seventy point three worlds. But you didn't have the two big hitters, the biggest hitters in the world at this distance, which is uh, Fredino and Gomez. And so you take those two out of the equation, um, and everybody else is, yeah. Uh, mm. is, which is, is unfortunate because sort of Fredino was meant to be there. Mm. Would have been fascinating if he was. Oh, I was running with a fillinator last night, and yeah, just don't know how run speeds, how Raylert sort of matches up to Fredino, but. It would not have been a, a capewalk, I don't think. No, it, been, it would have been, yeah, uh, been good awesome close race, racing. It's unfortunate, really, isn't it? So, yeah, it was. Uh, it was good to see. It was kind of a little bit predictable coming off the off the bike. But I guess the big biggest surprise for me was I expected it to be Raylert winning, but I expected a fairly big pack coming off the bike. But they just. Uh, disintegrated on the bike they were all over the place the guys it was ones and twos and threes and uh and so you know you've got to say that the the 20 meter rule worked pretty bloody well because yeah. it split the pack up and this is a flat course this now, is, now was it were everyone pretty much staying in the 20 meters i didn't watch all the bike coverage of the bike coverage that i saw it was pretty good yeah but obviously they were covering a lot of uh drights off the front so you didn't really get to see much there yep. and you saw ray Lert and he was by himself Tim Reid, you know, he rode through. He was behind the packs and he managed to ride through and drop them. And on a flat course, yeah. it's pretty hard yeah. to do when you're riding away from guys like Tim Don and and dudes like that. Who yeah. Are, you know, Class. Yeah. So I would say it worked pretty well. Um, it did look to me that, and this is the girls and the guys, when you came to corners or when you came to tighter parts of the course, then it constantine it up. Yep. So when they were going around the F1 track, they were not 20 metres. When they were coming into a corner, I saw the girls a couple of times really bunch up, but that's not really getting an unfair advantage. The big thing was, you know, you, when you're riding a big chunk of the course on a three-way motorway, and there's not that many of you around, it's pretty easy to stick to that 20 metres. So I think as long as the field size stays similar to what it was, uh, I think it'll it'll keep working. On a, on a type of a Kona-type course, when it's so tight around town and stuff, it's just bloody hard to, you know, there's not as much room to manoeuvre. But, yeah, so I think it, it worked really well. I did not see any pack, real pack riding going mm. on. Mm. Uh, girl side of things? Girl side of things mm. was, uh, oops, a daisy, I went off my page. Um, I just, uh, probably the one one disappointment of the day was, you know, you have, uh, Sebastian Keenlay pun- yeah, punched punch it out, it, yeah. um, which was which was a shame. And then you also had Tim O'Donnell. Early on the bike too. About 30k, I yeah, think. Yeah. yeah, Tim O'Donnell didn't fire and I didn't see anything of Dirk Bockel as well. So. No, he pulled out, um, so he, he had a bad swim as well. He came out of the water with Sebastian, I think. Yeah. And uh, apparently he just said it was like a bloody wrestling match in there. Yeah. And uh, I think he had a bad hip or something and pulled out in the bike. Let's just have a quick look and see it. So some of the other male, uh, males that uh, 
maybe DNF'd. So you had Sebastian Kenley, Dirk Bockle, Tyler Butterfield, I saw him coming off the bike. Richie Nichols, who was one of my outside picks. Courtney Atkinson didn't, didn't look like he turned up. So yeah, a few dudes there that uh, didn't fail to fire. The girl side of things, as I predicted last week, it was you had that bunch of swimmers come out and they just dropped the hammer on the bike and apparently yeah. it was Joycey that was absolutely smoking them so you had uh, you had Jody Swallow off the front just doing what Jody Swallow always does just smashing the swim and absolutely just killing herself on the bike and uh, I'm pretty sure she basically led I, again I didn't watch every single second of the coverage but it looked like she was on the front the entire time and she yeah. was by herself solo for a long part of it but the other girls did catch up but she still looked like she just sat on the front because I, I fast forwarded in the bike race and they had a section where the girls were there and those are saying Swally just the girls over two were just sitting behind her because mm. and Swally was quite happy to sit in that place so, yeah. yeah and when it's 20 metres um, again you've got that psychological advantage of right somebody else is setting the pace but you're not getting an advantage at 20 metres but what was interesting is at the very end of the bike course you come onto the the, the, the F1 track and, just, and you transition at the end of doing one lap and then you had Annabelle Luxford and Hallie Fredrickson came round her like in the last K to get on the front so they could have a good transition uh-huh. she would have been fuming about that because she's a bit of an angry girl Jodie Swallow she, she? she's rage, a bit of an anger she a rage she's she still cut up about getting a penalty from Kona she said that was one of her main motivations uh, in oh, the really? race was she's still pissed off about getting a drafting call in Kona when she was apparently leading the race so as it turned out um, yeah the girls a number of them came out of the swim together and then it really uh, they sorted themselves out on the bike with uh, Rachel Joyce Jodie Swallow Annabelle Luxford and Hallie Fredrickson uh, riding together and Angela Neath was uh, had an impressive ride by her she rode two minutes out of those girls on on the bike ride and she was only a matter of 50 metres off the back of them at the end of the bike ride so impressive riding by her but apparently Joycey was going to front and she, I saw a little interview with her she was basically trying to put in five minute efforts just going as hard as she possibly could to try to get rid of Hallie Fredrickson and, and as well as the other girls because she knew that you know, she's a little bit better on the run yeah. so apparently she was just killing it and I saw Hallie Fredrickson post something on Twitter saying you know, for the for the period that Rachel Joyce was on the front her, I think her um, she was at 4.51 watts per kilograms for, for periods when Joyce was just killing it and you could see it on the coverage she was just head down just trying to so taking the risk basically going for the win mm, like but it. couldn't get rid of it couldn't get rid of them and we've got some scandal on the uh, yeah well so Caroline oh, Stephen okay. on Twitter Peter Colson sent through an email and uh, Caroline Stephen who wasn't even up there at that point of the field uh, on Twitter basically made a comment now let me pull up so a she said that uh, well done to the girls out there at Stephen's my, my, in my eyes that check belongs to Rachel Joyce or Jodie Swallow good job girls 20 metre rule well, hashtag 20 metre rule and basically pointing the finger at Hallie Fredrickson saying you were drafting yeah it's like that's a pretty big call to make especially on Twitter and, and Hallie, since and, and Hallie's gone, gone wow incredibly unimpressed we spent all night in the same room no mention of this what's the issue and then scandal so there's some good goss oh but of the again I didn't watch the whole coverage of the coverage that I saw I didn't see any blatant drafting, as I said, except on the track. There was uh, they were certainly inside twenty meters, and when they came to the corners, I'm going to go back and watch all the coverage on my trainer over the next week or two. But uh, I didn't see anything too blatant to, to, to my liking. I would say it's bloody hard to tell on the TV screen what is twenty yeah, meters. You is. watch the Kona coverage, and you just say, "Shit, they're all drafting." But when you're actually out there, you go, "No, they're actually." 
pretty legit. Well, I think when you watch any race, often you think, wow, they're really close. And then when it scans out, you go, mm. oh, actually, they're miles apart. Yeah, so and, like it is hard to tell. And so I'm sure that they were inside 20 metres at times, but they weren't inside 12 or anything. It's a bit like when you the speed limit's 50 and you drive 60. Mm. And so they made the limit 20. They were probably at maybe 15 to 12 at times, but... They weren't. I didn't see any real wheel sucking in there, mm. but they, they they certainly sat on Jody Swallow. But that's fine. Yeah. She's on the front. You just race to win. So when the girls came off the bike, uh, all four of them were together. And as I said, you had uh, Hallie Fredrickson and Annabelle Luxford sort of pull in front, which is a bit cheeky uh, towards the end of the bike. And then Hallie Fredrickson just dropped the hammer at the yeah. start of the ride, and run. You know, the run. Yep. And Jody Swallow, who was I think third or fourth off the bike she was behind Joycey and I think she was behind Annabelle Luxford just immediately just smoked it straight past him and ran up to Hallie Fredrickson and ran on her shoulder and just looked like she was suffering and hung tough for quite a long time really? you could see a couple of the aid stations the elastic started to go and then it just broke and she held on uh, oh, she, so she, she held on and Joycey caught her late in the run so Joycey was Joycey was a long way behind her like I think over a minute at some stage and managed to run up and, and get past Jody Swallow. So was it a close finish? Because on the finish line, it's only like 20 seconds. So was it was it a close or was yeah. it pretty clear that Joycey was going to get second? It was pretty clear she was going to get second, but she only passed her in the last one to two Ks. Okay, well. it was, so it was pretty close. And Annabelle Lux had faded a little bit for fourth and Angela Neath, uh, yeah, it's pretty close racing between um, fourth and fifth. So again, Probably had you know a better girls race than we did guys race in terms of general interest, not quite knowing what's going on. But Hallie Fredrickson knows how to bring home the bacon because she also won uh, high V triathlon this year, yep. which is a, the big, big money, big money Olympic distance race in the states. So she is not going to be short of a bob going into this year. You also had some other interesting things going on. You know, you had Mel Holstein not too far off the pace, sixth, sixth. But you know, she's the kind of girl who could run through all of them, but she didn't have. Her, her best running legs on and then um, yeah, there was plenty of interest around how Jodie Stimpson would go she was just a little bit off the pace in the swim and then so uh, Caroline at 7th and then Jodie at 8th and then Camilla uh, Peterson <coughs> excuse me at 9th uh, and then Meredith Kessler at 10th uh, Lisa Norton 12th 13th mm -hmm. sorry Mary Beth, Alice, Mary Beth Alice, yeah, she was third at seventy point three. Were you expecting 3. more out of Lisa, or did she just a bit? Uh, it's just this time of the year, you just don't know what yeah, people are going to deliver. Um, so you know, Mary Beth was third at seventy point three worlds. Um, Meredith Kessler's been tearing it up all bloody year. So it's just, as I said, it's really hard to know at this time of the year who's going to be in shape. You know, clearly. Um, Miranda Carfrey was just out there making up the numbers. I mean, she's a four twenty seven show. She's uh, half an hour off the pace. Um, so. Yeah, clearly uh, no big payday for her, or no payday whatsoever for her. But Jodie Stimpson, you know, a lot of interest around her, you know, ITU star, and uh, couldn't couldn't really keep her up on the bike, uh, and didn't uh, put in a, you know, she was four, four or five minutes off the pace on the run as well. So, yeah, it was it was good racing. Okay, so other little things. Um, a bit of feedback from, you know, I was, I was interested to know what the age groupers thought of there because the, the pros were all gushing when they came across the line. You know, they got treated cool. like bloody legends. Uh, yep. They stayed at these amazing hotels, went to these, just got everything just sorted out for them. So uh, Natasha Wentz said, fantastic race. Uh, gourmet brekkie post-swim practice. Swim was great. Ride was fast, flat, but into a headwind for 60% of it. Run was great. Volunteers and aid stations were impressed 
impressive. Awards dinner, food amazing. Dire Straits rocked, the, uh, and the pro woman and Tim Dom were fantastic and fantastic and happy to chat. Some improvements to be considered. Um, bikes would be best transported from Grand Prix circuits, so a few little logistic things. Um, but overall, she said one flipping great race. Uh, Challenge family and Kingdom of Bahrain, thank you for changing the game of the sport. And then we had another one from Ed uh, Prendergast. Nice water temperature, not choppy. It looked clean. Bike course was very fast. Highway all the way until the lap of the F1 circuit. Run course was flat. All perfect for a PB. Organisation was faultless. Only slight downside was lack of local support atmosphere on the course, especially the run. Uh, and then Laura, uh, Laura uh, Miyokawa said there was local media reported some frustration about the impact of the race on the nation because they did close did you see the, picture? the main road. <laughs> the traffic is piled up. Oh, really? In the picture of the article. Oh, I didn't. Yeah. yeah. No traffic surprise. comes to a standstill. Because as I said last week, it's basically an island and this looked like the main road or straight down the middle and they just closed it. So. And they've got, they've got traffic comes to a standstill in Bahrain, wherever it is within Bahrain. Uh, today is the King's son takes part in a triathlon. That's <laughs> it. Yeah, people weren't happy. Overall, looks like they did a pretty good job. They also had a sep- a bit like Rote. When you go to Rote, they have its, its wave starts there, but they have the sub nine hour wave, um, which start. No, I, I, I thought it's a bit generous. So like, so like you, so in the Rote you get if you get oh no sub nine, it's a club sub nine club, and you get yep. a t shirt and all the rest. I got a t shirt. Yeah. I I did not. I went sub nine, didn't get a t shirt. Bevan went. Th- for the nine, nine, four, nine, nine three. three. No, okay, maybe something like that. And got it given a t-shirt. Loved it. Mm. But now they've got the sub four forty, which I think is not as good as a nine. I, I guess it's, they just did a numbers thing. You know, you want a reasonable number in that wave, and you say we want the the fastest fifty age groupers to be in that wave, and so that's that's how they did it. So uh, I'm sure if you got a high caliber field, they would make it quicker. But they might just yeah. So we want yeah, the fastest. What, what would you say is the equivalent? Of a sub nine and a half. I know it's course dependent, but like on a fast course. Well, on a, t- on a course like this, I would have thought, you know, so we say the girls went, what did the girls go in terms of their finish time? They went uh, uh, 3.55. And so I would have thought uh, f- sub four, uh, for probably 4.30. Yeah, you, know, you got, uh, you know, I know Miranda Carfrey had a, bit of a pretty slack day, but she still went 4.27. So I would have thought uh, about 4.30. Okay. So maybe they were 10 minutes off the mark. Apparently the Prince went uh, four hours 20. and 20 minutes. Someone and said they saw him out there on the run. He's had guards taking along on mopeds and a helicopter keeping watch over here, just in case. Mm. So. One other comment we did have on Facebook, uh, Felix Alcock said, does nobody else feel uneasy about this race given the human rights record of Bahrain? As a sport, we are letting the lure of the big prize money overshadow what is really going on in the country. I think everybody needs to just make their own minds up about that sort of stuff. It's not we're not going to maybe go into the politics of all this today because I don't necessarily know as much about it to be factually correct as I would like. But it is a, it is a yeah. An interesting are, we, point. are we going for ignorance is bliss? Yeah, like mm. a, yeah, that is a good interesting point. Um, yeah. It's so everybody maybe do your own research and make your own minds up about that. But there's certainly there is certainly some stuff going on. Well, and on that front, um, the money is things that's drawing people because now what mm. they've announced, Challenge have announced, Challenge Dubai, Challenge Bahrain, under the um, Crown Prince patronage of His Royal Highness, 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 how do you say his name? Uh, let's go with Salman, Salman bin, bin Hamad Al Khalifa. 
and his newly revered challenge Oman will form the Triple Crown Game Challenging Changing Series. Um, challenge Dubai and Challenge Oman will each have a significant prize purse, which Challenge Bahrain will once make triathlon history with a Triple Crown Grand Final purse of $1 million. So the way that I read this, and we'll get this maybe sussed in the next week or two, is there's going to be a million dollars on the line at Challenge Bahrain. It's not a million dollars for the three races. Uh, that's how I read it. I don't know if I'm 100% right, but a million dollars for Bahrain and the other two races will have significant prize pools as well. So that's fantastic. You know, This year it was 500000 and doubling it, boom, million bucks. It's going to be big money, and whether it's a game changer in our sport, I don't know. We have had million dollar days before, uh, so we had the high V races used to be uh, over a million dollars, I think. And the way that that was broken down, the winner was taking home two hundred thousand uh, no, dollars. No, okay, but do you think that next level we'll get the Brownleys there? No, you don't. No, I wouldn't say that conclusively, but. Because you're, like, you're saying with this race, you're going, okay, well, you know, this is pretty much the highest level field we see in a 70.3 race mm-hmm. in, in comparison with the W2C's 70.3 World Champs. Um, and which kind of, you know, which is, it's not like a Kona or a, a, an Olympics, you know, that high level where we get everyone who's, who can really race this race mm. and win it well. So if it's a $200,000 win... We had this. We were scratching our heads a few years ago when they had high V, and you know you got Alistair Brownlee just so far in front of everybody else. He didn't go and race high V, so it's a similar sort of thing. That's his actually his distance, yeah. and he didn't go and race it. So I wouldn't say no, full stop. But I'd say perhaps not before the Olympics. Um, but it certainly what will certainly help to get more of those guys. Uh, you know, someone like a, a Gomez, maybe that might change it. I guess it depends a lot on the Olympic timing. I don't know when the Olympics is in 2016, but you've got to think, this is December 2015. It really is starting to eat into your Olympic preparation. You know, you've got to have a break before you start your main big build to the Olympics. So uh, I, th- I think it will help, help pulling more people into it. Uh, I think the things that of interest to me is whether you know how you get into it, whether they're going to have a qualifying, or whether they're going to just say anybody can rock up and do it. I think that's going to be of interest. Uh, and also, I'm going to be interested to see how they structure that prize money. So how they did it at High V is they pay sort of thirty deep. So we've yeah. got to remember this year at Challenge Bahrain, still only paid ten deep. Fantastic prize money, don't dispute that. You finish 11th, you're getting nothing. And yep. so there's uh, there's a lot of guys going home from that race. It's a long way to go. They're not getting a, not getting a, a prize check. So I would hope and like to see that top heavy, but you know, if you get 30th place, you get a grand or something like that. Yep. And that's what it was under, under, um, under the high V race. So a game changer, I don't know. But I think what it really will do will enhance that half Ironman distance you know have, having more athletes going for going for broken half Ironman races 70.3 is popping up all over the place I think it will become a lot easier to make a living at half distance races um, it's bloody hard to make a living at an Ironman but it's been the case for a long time hasn't it you know like mm-hmm. when we think about it <clears throat> you know the guys who who tend to have a pretty good career in the 70.3 and do the odd Ironman actually tend to do pretty well yeah and, and this is going to enhance it further so I think you're going to see you know, you get more guys slipping across maybe a bit earlier from Olympic distance. And you know, a lot of the big-hitting Ironman guys, especially not so much the girls, but a lot of the guys don't transition down to halves particularly well unless they've come from a short-course background. So well, the, ultimate, you know, the ultimate question is, 
when does it when is the level <clears throat> where it does attract the ITU guys? Because ultimately that's the race you want to see, isn't it? That's the race mm. you want to when you get these top ITU guys and the top 70.3 and the top Ironman all in one day because this is the distance then ca- that can appeal to all those athletes mm-hmm. and uh, is 200,000 like if it, was a, if it was a half a million price purse you imagine everyone would turn up wouldn't they mm. just mm. For, you know like for yep. the winner you know so like it is it is yeah it's, it's, I don't know it'll be interesting it's going to be really interesting to see I think the timing of the year is good and bad I think it almost could be a couple of weeks earlier because people really have to drag their seasons out to wait till December but that means that you do have the best opportunity to get everybody there because Kona's out of the way, ITU season's out of the way. Um, so, I, yeah, it's fantastic. But if you're, if you're a competitor and you you realistically have a chance of going to a race and winning a race like that, extra couple of weeks is probably worth mm. holding on for. Mm. You know, so... I think, you know, maybe guys like Tim Reid um, and guy, Joe Gambles, people like that who are... Fantastic at 70.3. Haven't really made that transition uh, exceptionally well across to Ironman relative to how good they are at, at halves. Those guys might now start going, I go to Kona, I've tried a few times, mm. hasn't necessarily gone that well. Am I better off going to 70.3 Worlds and then doing a really Although Tim's good... Although Tim's only gone once. Isn't it? Wasn't it his first time this year? Maybe it was. Yeah. Yeah. But, but still, I get what you're saying. You know, but you yeah. might go... Actually, the career is in 70.3. Why, why, maybe I flag, flag Kona and just do 70.3 worlds. Good prize money there. Kona's got the gold. Kona. It has, oh, yeah, it has. If it's glitters, it's gold, John. And if you win Kona, then, you know, yeah, say you win $200,000 there. Kona's worth more than 200000 to you long term yeah. if you play the game right. So interesting times ahead. Okay, we also had Ironman Western Australia. We did. And, and uh, good old uh, Dennis took it out. Dennis Chevron. Yep. We have to give him a car racing name. Yeah, that's right. Um, Brum Brum. Yeah, yep. <laughs> speed racer. Never heard of him, John. Never heard of him. No. Yeah, no, his name hasn't come up uh, heaps and heaps in the past. But I'm, I'm going to kind of maybe focus on the girls a little bit more because we have got a oh, chicks first. Yeah, Br- oh. Britta Martin took it out. Oh, did she? On what was a pretty pretty solid field, and she's a Kiwi girl. Yep. And from Nelson, she set a new course record, and we've had some good girls go. You know, Gina yeah, Crawford Gina, and so on have been there. Went eight fifty six. Finished 17th overall, swam 50. Three hour run on the dot, John. Oh, that's gutting. Three yards on the dot. Three, oh, 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 oh. Oh, that ripped your undies. Oh, you would just stop celebrating down the finishing shoot. Yeah. Swam 56, rode 4.55 and ran three hours. 8.56 for a four minute victory or so over Maureen Huff from Germany. And she did have to run her down. That Jack Rand rode 4.44. Wow. That is impressive. That is incredible. And then she ran 3.14 and she went 9 hours and 21. Liz Blatchford uh, was in third place in 9.02. She got stung with two drafting penalties. Oh, really? So that's, uh, I don't know off the top of my head if it's just four and four over there. Some races, you know, four minutes for your first one and you get more for the second one. Uh, But, yeah, she was leading out of the swim and I know she was was there or thereabouts on the bike. But, yeah, when you get two penalties... uh, but she didn't run particularly excessively well. She only ran 3.07, but head might not have quite been in the game. But still probably, you know, done enough there to, to validate her spot for Kona because she did have a top 10 there. Um, and also Yvonne Van Vlerken, she, she came in fourth. But Philonator was saying to me that he thought he, she, he saw something about her crashing somewhere on the course, uh, so carried on. So not sure if it was on the run or the bike, but he said maybe to turn around there was something on Twitter. So, you know, you kind of... Pre-race, you expected Yvonne uh, and Liz Blatchford to have a good head-to-head, um, but those two did not quite do it. But Britta Martin, outstanding. You know, she's she's won the race before, I think, um, but to go out there and set a new course record, 
that's impressive and good to see Kiwis on top. Boys side of things. Boys side of things. We'll okay. go with boys side of things. Uh, pre-race, you kind of expected David Dallow and maybe Joe Gambles yeah, to be mixing up. They both pulled out. Yeah. So Dennis Chevron from France swam 46, rode 426, ran 249. Nicely balanced race for an 805. Pretty comfortable victory in the end over Patrick Nielsen and uh, Peter Bittner from Germany in 8.14. So the Aussies got shut out mm. of their own race mm. with the Germans, ta- oh, not the Germans, the Euros. Um, the Euros taking the top five spots and then a Kiwi and then a Hungarian. First Australian was a flip an age grouper. Nice work, Alistair Caird from, uh, he went f- 8.45. Eighth overall, nice work. Eighth overall. Crikey dick. That is good. Where's the first flipping pro Australian? Um, Australian pro. I can't even work it out. Oh, hold on. I have to go I What about f- filtered by pros? Should be able to do that. Man, the Aussies got completely shut out. Yeah. Well, uh, age group wise, uh, Darren, Darren, Darren Jenkins was uh, in 11th place, first Australian. Was it Jason Shortus? No, he was uh, 13th. Jason Shortus doing his 83rd race. Apparently, it was his last. I'm not sure if that's his 83rd. He's doing his last as a pro because he'll probably never stop racing. But I wonder if he's. 83rd as a pro. Yeah. So, still went 911. He's a big unit, Jason Shortus, too, isn't he? He is. I met him uh, races with him once in Japan. He was, uh, yeah, solid boy. Yeah, yeah. Didn't someone get married on course somewhere? Was it that race? Don't know. Two bags to set us through. She sends us a bit of a weekly report, give us a little update on what's happening. And here, I'm pulling it up. So, she's got here. Um, might have expected a bit more out of Roman Guillaume, who had a top <coughs> 10 in Kona, only managed fourth place. But again, didn't have to validate, so good stuff. Yep. Um, I haven't got, you talk, I'll. Uh, we also had uh, Hits Palm Springs. <laughs> and we've talked about dojo dominations in the past, and this is about as big as it gets. Ricardo Garcia. Went 8.56, solid. He swam 56, rode 4.58, uh, ran 2.56. Beautifully balanced race. He's 40 years old. He won by more or less 50 minutes. 50 minutes? Yeah. That is the domination. That's an official domination yeah. of the dojo. It's the, the first one we've had. Yeah. yeah. Alexander Zukov was second in 9.45, and Alex Sujini was uh, third in 10.05. So that's he would have had his massage, his food, he would have had his IV, yeah. and then gone out, had a stretch. Talked to his family, first, then gone back and the guy's still coming in for second. Yeah, first female was uh, Judy Anderson from Pauline Williams and Denise Ingram. Have you ever been out training with someone and you've kind of laid a bit of smack down and you've dropped them big time and then when you, you get back... with you all the time. Oh, whatever, whatever, <laughs> Trevor. Um, but then when you get back, you, you really work really hard to make it look like you have had plenty of time to rest. <laughs> have you done that? God, I was going to say, one, I, I haven't, but one oh, I you haven't. Come on. Judy Anderson, I think according to this, 50 years old, took out the women's race. Oh, got you, good thing. You got yeah. second and third there? Uh, 38, yeah, I said them. And oh. 50 year old was on third place as well. Geez, that's a bit of a tough game when you're 50 and you get third overall, only second in your age group. So that about Willis. Okay, Jombo. So uh, there was a race, there was a wedding on the course. Ah. On the course, they got married on the course. Ah, right. But the, the, during the race, yeah. And uh, Yanti, a lady from Bali, a close friend of mine, married her man Kingsley during the race. Crazy. That is crazy. That is crazy. How can you get a PB if you're getting married? Exactly. It's your commitment Where to the sport. The commitment? Is that a first? I don't think I've ever heard of someone getting I've married. Of, I've heard of engagements and things like that, yeah, of course. Yeah, people have marriage. rings and stuff. Marriage. Wow. 
There you go. So there you go. That, that may be a first. Um, okay, Jombo, that's it for racing for 2014. We're done. Our year is done. It is. So I guess the next mainish sort of race is Challenge Monica. I think there might be a couple of other little minor ones before that. Well, that's not until February now, though, is it? So yeah. there might be something else before then. But uh, yeah. yeah. We'll call it 2014. Cool. I'm just knuckle down and we'll do a enjoy Christmas. In a couple weeks. Okay. Uh, sponsor. Extreme endurance. Get some clothes, John. I need some of your clothes. I did. I just thought, you know, if you want, if you're if you're struggling for gifts or anything, um, and you want to, you know, if your your mate or your partner or something's really into triathlon, um, a lot of the extreme endurance stuff, they've got the trucker hat. Bevan loves his trucker hats. Uh, you know what? I do have a trucker hat. Yeah. And yeah. I'm starting to recede too. You know, mm. I might have to wear a few more hats. Nice. Become the hat guy. Yeah. yeah. Got a nice uh, extreme endurance T-shirt there for the boys. Nice red one. It's got a bit of fashion going on there. A bit of style. Brings out my Me- eyes. Meets Bevan. Uh, criteria at fourteen ninety five. Oh, under my criteria, you can almost get. Because I was thinking about this, I think I need to increase my criteria. Yeah. Because inflation, inflation. you know, like that, that, that twenty five dollar t shirt policy has been around for a good 12, 13 years now. Yeah. Now, really, <clears throat> it should probably be thirty bucks. Yeah. Yeah. In fairness, New Zealand. Yeah. Yeah. Now with this, cheap ads, bro. Same for the girls. I've got a white and jeans. How do they do that? How do they make money on that? That's promo. It's great. Oh, it's just promo. Lost leader. Yeah. Lost leader. Got a nice single up for you girls. Sort of, uh, sort oh, of like I'm a bit of a see, see-through-y see. sort of one. It's nice. Se- uh, seventeen ninety five. It's in Got your trucker hats. Uh, they've also got another, you know, got for you girls, but more selection. They've got a Camille tank top. Camille's the fittest woman in the earth, John. Is she? Well, apparently to this website. And uh, she, was, she must have won the CrossFit Games. <coughs> oh, you're right there. You got excited about it. Yeah. And then trucker hat, fourteen ninety nine. It's cool. It's an uh, ex-endurance cap. Looks kind of a little bit like X-Men as well. So if you're kind of into your... your where do I find the... Where do I want the website, John? Go on to products. Products, 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 products. Where's products? So it's up at the top. It's pretty clear. It's the main... Yeah. Oh, no, I'll go select my country. No, you don't just select a country. Oh. Well, it's below select a country. Where products. is it? Where is it? Wait a second. Let's have a look. Because you go to the website. Exendurance.com. Yes, there. you got select your country. you got the social networks. you got my account. Below that. Below that. You what got, bloody browser are you using? Oh, look at this. Where am I? Where is it? Help me here. Oh, down at the bottom, you got products. Where's yeah, no, it? it's at the top. Where? Oh, your screen. You reload that screen. <laughs> There's something going wrong with Maybe, you. maybe if I do the drop-down menu. Oh, it's a drop-down menu. Right. Okay, well, so I got products. Because you've got that, your, your laptop's too small. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. <laughs> it's my laptop's fault. Yep. Anyway. I've oh, that t-shirt is cool. I got some She's cool. a mean-looking woman. I wouldn't mess with her. Yeah, it's a cool clothing. You got your, or you can get your, your blender bottle with a stainless steel whisk, which is great for the old uh, execute. So next time you're on there, um, making a little bit of an order for your ex-endurance, then tack on a little bit of a t-shirt. Look stylish or use it as a stocking filler for a partner if you guys are all into triathlon. The red t-shirt is cool. Mm, He's got big guns, but John, we don't have big guns. Well, my biceps do. don't fill out t-shirts unless I get know. smaller t-shirts. Yeah, go, go for extra small. <laughs> okay, maybe I will be that guy. Yeah. Where it's a bit too short. Yeah, have you had that cropped. Yeah, 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 wrong bit of crop. That's one of the downfalls of my twenty-five dollar t-shirt policy. Mm. Is that I have bought wrong sizes in the past, and afterwards you think, mm, yeah. not always smooth. So check it out while you're getting there. Getting your ex-endurance. Remember, if you're going to the .com site, use the promo code IMD. 
Talk 5, get five bucks discount and get yourselves all sorted for the Christmas break. Kiwis and Aussies, I've got all the stuff in stock, I haven't got any of the clothing, but uh, I've got uh, Extreme Endurance, Immune Boost, Hydro X and Execute. So get it all sorted for your big Christmas block. Okay, xendurance.com guys. Okay team, last week's discussion we were talking about this challenge race and does it really appeal to the age group? So it was, now that we know that Challenge are working on their long distance world championships, we were wondering if you think it would be work as an age group for an age group championship. Would an age group championship lure you to the race? So ultimately would you want to go to a challenge race somewhere around the world if it was what they call a world championship. <laughs> this is a good, good point by Kef, uh, Kefren Izzard. So who's the actual world champion? The ITU world long course winner, the Kona winner, the Challenge World Championship winner, or do you need to win all three to be the undisputed champion of the world? It is, it is turning a bit into boxing, it isn't it? It is. Yeah. It sounds a bit shambolic like boxing. It has no influence on where I choose to race. Uh, Andy Golden's got they should invite Kona qualifiers to their world championships as well as qualifiers from challenge events uh, that would make it more true championship plus they shouldn't ex- uh, exclude people who decline to take their Kona slot at roll down uh, Paul Dean it won't work for age groupers unless they can come up with a date destination and course that has or could develop a real and lasting attraction for age groupers. Rote is a good race but it hasn't got anywhere near the draw of Kona and the course and location is far from ideal. I can't see rotating the venue working either as it would end up being just like the ITU long course worlds which has virtually zero prestige for age groupers and pros. Suggestions to hold it in Kona at a different time of the year are plain stupid. That is never happening. John Boo, with this rote thing Oh, we'll talk about this afterwards. Okay, uh, Richard Hayden Lewis has got WTC holds a trump card in Kona. Its history means the race that everyone wants to do once. It's a long way from Europe, which often limits Europeans year after year. It means the Yanks have to, I'm sorry, um, Yanks and to some extent Aussies and Australians and Kiwis, sorry, have a world championship close at home. Challenge have wrote for the Europeans. This is probably the next biggest race to Kona. Sure, some people will argue Frankfurt wrote as fast and with a history to rival Kona, but it's not going to be a Challenges with championships then. I don't think Challenge would put a world championships off. Challenge uh, athletes want the history, prestige, experience, and the second biggest iron distance race in the world is world championships. I do should stick to the Olympics, in my opinion. Happy Tremaine says WTC have Kona so heavily weighted to USA age groupers it's hardly a real tra- real championships for age groupers. I like Stu's idea Challenge could put out a race in Kona maybe over Easter, multiple events, it'll be huge otherwise completely change format and distances and venue and create a new icon race. What about two swims, two bikes, two runs for 226k? And uh, Stu Moore just said why can't Challenge put on a race in Kona too? Uh, probably wouldn't happen would it? Can't see it happening. Uh, Peter Colson's got I think uh, will in the future attract age group champions if done right imagine a prize purse for age group winners which is an interesting kind of thought uh, first place gets unlimited free races to all challenge triathlons in the world for 12 months uh, second place gets four free races and third place gets three races so Jokum only if it was in Kona okay um, Botel no James Botel the wise one not yet okay I went for a short T- one Tony Hodge, uh, <laughs> no Okay. There you go. Okay. Good to so, so this is how you win this week. Yeah. Just one syllable you win. Uh, I'll finish with uh, who I've got here. Glenn Newbold, not for myself, as accessibility to the events are not available in the western part of America at this time for qualifying. Angela Lee agreed. 
Uh, for my final one, Natasha went uh, for me. No, I love challenge events simply because they are better run. A quality, the quality of what you receive for your money is so much better than WTC. They are far more affordable, and they are about the athlete. Jumbo, your thoughts? Uh, well, the, this question was directed to age groupers, yeah. and I don't think it'll work. Different story on the pro side of things, but that wasn't the question. But for age groupers. ITU can't really get it right. They've been trying for, for quite a quite a while. But ITU is trying to do a different distance. Yeah, but it, yeah, but even with um, long uh, ITU short course worlds, um, oh, they're not that good. It's, it's good, but it's a kind of water, you upsetting water, here, John. Down a bit. You think it's a bit of a waste of time, do you? I don't think it's a waste of time. <laughs> you I just think crap. <laughs> the uh, you heard you? to get to finish high at say Kona is harder to do than finish high at say an ITU Worlds on particular years. It's, Why? It's a lot more variable. Because you know, so it just moves? You go to Australia, man, you get, you've get you got a seriously hard race. You've got bloody 10 Australians in your age group who are flipping amazing. Go and have it in China, then you get, you know, you probably just about take out the event. So it, it varies a lot. It just doesn't have that, it, you know, Kona's just repetitive. It's like time and time again, it's, you know, you know what you're getting and it's, uh, yeah, having it in that one venue is, is a massive plus for them. So I guess my answer is, uh, no, I don't think it'll work. I think it'll work for pros having a, whether they call it a world championship or they call it the challenge championships, I think it'll work fantastically. Um, but I think, you know, don't think it'll work particularly well. 70.3s is kind of, getting there in terms of uh, certainly for the Americans I think there's a real lure to go to the 70.3 world so it'll be interesting to see how much of a lure that is when it isn't in America or Canada yeah. uh, and see what sort of an impact and, and, and what the quality of the field is like but I just can't see it, it working. It doesn't have that lure Kona has just trumped everything so it's just got that lure Well I think the question how does another race become conscious outside of the triathlon world you know what I mean like because that's why Kona works because when you tell anyone you've done Ironman what's the first question you get have you done the whole Ironman mm. you know and so outside of outside of our world the prestige of the Kona Ironman is, is, is still has credit and so for Challenge to have a championship for age groupers to be appealed to because Challenge puts on races that sell out so you know it's not mm. that they can't put on sell out races but that would make someone like you go, oh, I really want to race this race because I'm going to compete, you know, for for a podium. You know, mm. like that was kind of one of your goals for last year. So, um, you know, how can Challenge Hit create that race that does have that awareness outside of the triathlon community? And if they were to be able to achieve that, which seems like a pretty hard thing to do because this, you know, Kona has that history and and comes from a, that race comes from the history of. Hawaii comes from a time where media was different. So, you know, if you could get on ABC in America, you suddenly were the biggest race in the world and everyone knew you. Whereas now the media landscape is so different. You can, you've got these little niche worlds, but you don't really have that big picture world where everyone kind of finds out about one thing once. So especially a small sport like triathlon. So I think that if they could achieve something like that, which seems pretty highly unlikely, that would be a different story. It, I think... For it, it'd have to be really iconic. It would have to be, you know, whether you had the same city every year or maybe you rotated, say, between London, you had, like, downtown but London, it, downtown it? New York <clears throat> and downtown Sydney, and you basically, you know, it, it would motivate me to go and do 
if it was if it was a really cool Did big city that? downtown, could be I don't know. Turn uh, it off. <laughs> it's not ringing. Uh, uh, oh, it could be Melina coming. I don't know. Yeah. It's seven forty-two. He's got three minutes to get here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it would have to be. It would have to have a pretty good draw card. It's not going to uh, in Bahrain or somewhere like that. But people aren't going to travel that far. Well, the thing I think is, I had a really good thought before you phone distracted me. Oh. Uh, it was the best best thought ever. Yeah. Yeah. It was mind blowing. Um, what were you? What did you say? Well, I, I sort of said if it was in. Downtown New York, downtown. I don't, even, I don't even think it's that. I think it is. How do I get more social credit mm-hmm. from me going to this well, race? Here it is. Yes, oh, here, here he is, looking sharp as always. <laughs> hey, uh, hey. Well, I'm going to push pause. The legends have just turned up. Wait a second. Here we go. I'm pushing pause. He's more important than the show. Here we go. Here we go. Okay. <coughs> so as um, reported a couple of weeks ago, uh, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, Steve Head passed away, and um, and a lot of us didn't know much about the guy you know a lot of us would have known about head as a product um fantastic wheels but he was really one of the innovators and and uh started off in the in the mid 80s uh had sounded like he had a bit of a bike shop and then sort of tinkered his way into to working out how to make aerodynamic wheels and it was uh it was a real interesting time for triathlon and cycling because you know we had Greg LeMond and stuff bringing in aero bars and things were moving quite quickly so a man that was uh, racing through part of that time and certainly into the 90s is Scott Molina and he's going to tell us a bit more about Steve so welcome back Scott. Thank you very much glad to be here talking about Steve he was a good friend. Can I, can I ask um, I'm, I'm not sure I'm sure many listeners aren't sure is, how did he actually die? Does, do they know? I don't know. I haven't. I haven't. I, haven't I, I haven't. I don't know if they've done an autopsy or released that okay. information. But no, I don't know. I assume he had a heart attack. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so. So maybe um, tell us about when you first became aware of Steve, because I know that your a lot of your racing career was late eighties and into the nineties, and he sort of started in the, the early eighties. So what was your sort of first knowledge about him, and maybe your first meetings with him? Well, he did have a bike shop in Minnesota, and he um, would often be a wrench at bike races. And I did um, a stage race called Tour of Minnesota. I think it was about 85. And he was along helping uh, a couple of teams. You know, he was their their bike mechanic. Yeah. And um, there was also a race called the Triple M something uh, in Minnesota about then, 84, 85. And I went and did. And uh, I think I got second. I'm not sure. And um, he was also at that race doing support. And so that's that's when I first became aware of him. Was was he an athlete in the past, or did he was he just an engineering geek? I don't know if he was an athlete at all. Uh, he was just a uh, a bike nut, really. Yeah. So so he seems to have come across as a pretty kind of a, an interesting mix of personality, like as in not personality but skill set, like businessman, kind of mad scientist. You know, maybe tell us a, a bit about that side of him. He was certainly not a businessman. <laughs> oh, was he not? No, 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 no. He was he, he was definitely the scientist, mad mad scientist. You Who know, just the business person next to him. <laughs> yeah, and and the woman he eventually married Anne uh, ended up being the, yeah. the business side of the of of their business, and uh, so she she definitely was the common sense person in that relationship and no steve really didn't care he he lost so much money um trying to develop products really like i remember uh distinctly he was one of the very first people to go to the wind tunnel texas a&m had this wind tunnel and so he would uh make a bunch of products uh this is uh in the early stages of the disc wheel and the the three spoke carbon wheel and uh, so he'd make he'd have to make them in different shapes and sizes and um so just to make those wheels 
mm-hmm. cost a fortune. Then he have to go to the wind tunnel, rent the wind tunnel, you know, flights, accommodation. Flew a few of us over there. Lance was one of the early early guys to use that wind tunnel, and so was I. And so, you know, he was losing a ton of money in, in the early days trying to come up with the best products. Wow. So when you first started and you started getting more serious, what, where were things at with wheels? You know, were, were because I know you, we've seen pictures of you, no aero bars, just on your, on your drops. Were, were, do you remember when discs came in? Um, yeah, it was right about the beginning of 86. And um, they, were, they used them on the track in 84 in the Olympics. With great success, uh, had a bunch of really fast times. I think also Francesco Moser set the hour record with a double disc uh, bike on the track, and um, and I I t- actually tested one of these very first wheels in Bakersfield just prior to the Bakersfield race, which was a pretty big race back then. I think I raced it about six times, and 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 and. I had gotten to know Steve the year before at Tournament Minnesota, and so we had sort of kept in touch. And he said he's developing a disc wheel, and so. He sent it out to me, and he said, "You know, try it out before the race. Make sure it works." And I, so I thought, "Okay, I got the secret weapon." You know, I was all, <laughs> all, I was all psyched up, and I got about four uh, k away from the hotel, and it delaminated. Oh no! It just came apart. Oh no! And, and so That's I, it's first, first generation product. I, I was, I, this, this Bakersfield. This is you know. So I had to walk back. So I was not impressed <laughs> with the first wheel. And he just kind of, you know, I said, oh, well, I guess I better get some better glue. <laughs> and, uh, and, but later that year, he did uh, come up with some more discs and uh, sent them out to me to test. And so I think I started racing with them in 86. Um, what were you thinking at that time? You know, like, you know, because it, it was such a baby time in the sport. But also just it was kind of the first part of, where technology started to become an important part of sport, wasn't it? You know, well, it, it was. It was. Uh, I mean, Calhorn bars came along in I don't know when, uh, maybe late seventies or early eighties. But other than that, you know, uh, clip and shoes came in about I think eighty six or 8, 85, 86, 87. But I mean, there was there hadn't been a change to the bicycle in a hundred yeah, years. Yeah. And so no, when the disc wheel came along, we were like, whoa, you know, this is yeah. this is going to be a secret weapon. Yeah. You know, and and people were going fast on them. Yeah. You know, and. Um, so so yeah, we we were convinced that that was that was going to be the 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 next thing since sliced bread, you know, yeah. and that was um, just about the same time that the DH bars came out, yeah. and then when the DH bars came out, that changed everything. Did you ever ride with a double disc? Was that allowed on, on the road or not? It was, um, you know, I don't I don't remember if it was allowed. Uh, I did remember trying them. Yeah. Um, and same thing. I was uh, tried it on a windy day, yeah. and just got blown all over the road. You know, yeah. and I thought I'm gonna get killed you know, <laughs> yeah. on, on this on this thing. So I, I I do remember trying it, but I don't think either either the rules came in that didn't allow front disc yeah. before we could use them, or or I never got the opportunity to use them because I remember in Hilton Head, uh, um, dead flat course, and um, and I was thinking about using a front disc and. Um, I'm not sure if it was allowed or not. That would be just, I can't imagine riding with two discs. It would just feel so freaky and you'd just, you'd be going fast. Yeah, well, on the track, you know, they were using them yeah. uh, for various things. And so, yeah, they were smashing all sorts of records. Did, um, you know, you talk about Harry who kind of wasn't necessarily a great businessman. He was just passionate about discovery, was he? Yeah, he wanted to find the fastest products. He wanted to build the fastest products. Yeah. And... Um, but you know, not even necessarily to sell a lot of them. Really? You know, just but but just thought you know this is 
this is great stuff. Yeah. You know, he just wanted to invent it, really. Yeah. He wanted to see people go faster. Because did he, to your knowledge, was he the one that first came out with the, the tri-spoke? Um, good question. I, I would, if somebody did, they were so obscure, I didn't know about them. Yeah. You know, but by the time he came out with um, the tri-spoke, he was the go-to guy. Yeah. You know, so if you, if you, if you wanted to, if, if, if anything came out, you know, I would ask him first, what do you mm. think about this thing, you know? Mm. But that was sort of the head's thing, hasn't it been? Obviously, they were the early innovators with discs and what have you, but the tri-spoke has been what sort of, whether or, not, whether or not they've got some special patent on it, I don't know, but that's sort of been, it's still around now, and that's sort of been their, almost their, one of their go-to products, hasn't it? It was, and I've got to remember, too, that um, in the early 90s when uh, Dan Enfield... Um, popularized 650 wheels with the um, Quintana Rue brand that um, between the the small wheel size yeah. and the carbon fiber, you know, these tri-spokes were super, super light, mm. you know, super aero. Um, you wouldn't break a spoke, which was yeah. a big deal for us, you yeah. know, the, they're bulletproof wheels. They wouldn't go out of true. And so, you know, it was a really reliable, fast wheel. And, and, uh, and on those on 650 wheels, you know, they were super, super light. And so I still have some in my garage. They're great. They were, they are a great product for, you know, we're talking what, 90, 91 or two, yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. But I also read that he was, um, and again, you might not know the exact facts around this, but it sounded like he was one of the first guys as well to do the, the deep rim wheel, which, you know, is pretty much most people's go-to wheel these days because it's, you know, a bit more versatile. You can use it in windy conditions. You can use it on hilly courses, flatter courses. But it sounded like he was, you know, again, the first guy to to really popularize the the deep rim wheel as well. That's true, and 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 for lots of different reasons. One was the with the shorter spokes, you could tension them more. They were shorter. They were stiffer, um, lighter. Um, he he also was then um, evolved that wheel to be like a uh, what do you call it a uh, a round, rounder shape, wider, wider, rounder shape, um, and um, came up with all sorts of different uh, subtle things to the wheels, like uh, uh, golf ball type dimples on, yeah. on his discs, mm, yeah. uh, a rounder shape to the disc, which was init initially very, very flat. Um, you know things like that. Yeah. Scott certainly was saying uh, on the post that they had on was it the triathlon. Uh, so he was just saying that in some ways uh, he went over the top when he was a sponsorship of, of athletes, and if anyway he was a bit too friendly, you know, or, or, you know, because he was just too generous in the way he sponsored athletes. Maybe you talk a bit about that. Well, I, I have some amazing stories about that. You know, I mean, I mean, I, st I I've, up to this day I still get stuff. From yeah. from them, yeah. uh, the bike that Aaron's on uh, is a head produced carbon fiber bike. Yeah. A lot of people don't know he actually produced some carbon fiber bikes. Yeah, I remember you riding one. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. Aaron's, and um, so she still has that's her current bike. And and I remember one year when she came back to um, Kona after having Miguel to race in '93. Um, Stephen Ann always used to come to Kona to do tech support and had a booth at the expo. And they would work on everybody's bikes, yeah. you know, Steve especially, because he sponsors so many athletes. And one day they came over um, uh, for lunch or have a wine, I forget what, but, um, and, he, and they said, here, Aaron, this is a present for you. Um, we appreciate you riding on wheels. And it was a Rolex. Oh, really? Yeah. And this is, this is 93. And we were just floored. And Aaron goes, 
are you what are you sure you know what's this about and he said yeah you know we Wow. We want you to have this before the race. No matter what happens, we want you to know, you know, that we appreciate you using our stuff. Uh-huh. But he w- he would he would he would um he would often just send people stuff out of the you just arrive, you know. Uh, you ask Ken Glaw, you know, who's sponsored by Head also from day one. Yeah. You know, just stuff would just arrive. Hey, take these for a test. You know, yeah. we think they're going to be better than what you've got. Yeah. Um. So I was going to ask you, um, but it really, in terms of his being a big business guy, I mean, you, you know, these days you, you look at the wheel count in Kona and it's zip, you know, uh, 80% of the market and everybody else is sort of uh, scrambling to get that that sort of final 20%. So you really think that maybe it was, it was uh, they could have done better as a business if, if they had maybe been a bit more aggressive in terms of their marketing? A little bit, like Zip did have to buy the patent uh, use off of Head for right. uh, for a lot of their technology. So that so it ended up being Head makes money off of every single Zip wheel. Yeah, right. I think to this day. Yeah, I could be wrong about that, but I, I'm pretty sure. And so um, they were gonna somebody was gonna copy them anyway, and mm-hmm. and rather than have lengthy court battles, I think they decided, you know, hey, let's yeah. it's. it's you know, it's the highest form of flattery, really, when somebody copies you. Yeah. And uh, so I, I think they did find a way to, to, to make money off, off that. But, I mean, so many different uh, ways that a lot of people don't even know. Like Easton, um, you know, used Steve, Steve's technology and his, his, uh, his uh, advice to develop a lot of their products. Um, you know, a lot of companies have used, have, have used Steve over the years, um, you know, asking his advice to develop their own products. I remember I used this Huffy bike, um, which was um, taken off the track, off the 84 Olympics, and I used it at Hilton Head. Steve got it from me because he had a relationship with with Huffy in some way. And this was when um, carbon, carbon fiber technology was very, very new, and, and Huffy made these bikes for the 84 Olympics that almost totally enclosed the back wheel. Yeah. Right. So it actually wrapped around. There yeah. was a groove. The wheel went into the frame, wow. and so it was just incredibly smooth. Uh, um, what was it like to ride? Well, it was fabulous. And there was another secret weapon that Steve ended up uh, <laughs> finding for me, and uh, we he brought it to me uh, the day before the race. I have showed him Hilton Head with no bike, right? Because <laughs> really? Steve, Steve said, "Yeah, I got a bike for you. This is the biggest race of the year for me." <laughs> And Steve goes, I've got the fastest thing since, you know, they've ever made a fast bike. And I was like, okay. And I trusted him, you know. So <laughs> so, no bike. He, so he, sh- he shows up at my hotel like about 7 o'clock the night before. And this is when you didn't have to check in your bike the, yeah. the day before, right? So so he, 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 he pulls out this bike. It's all built up. And he says, here, let's set it up for you. Make sure the seat height's right, et cetera. And I take it for a ride in the dark, no lights. And um, I'm like, okay, this is it, you know. And... Um, so uh, in the race, uh, I was having a very, very good race. I think only Rick Wells was ahead of me, and I was catching him. And uh, I hit a speed bump, and the seat post just went boom. Oh, no. And it, it dropped about two inches. Oh, no. And so I did almost the whole last 20K standing up. Yeah. Well, my legs were throbbing. <laughs> and, and um, you know, we laughed about it afterwards. I, had, I did end up winning the race. But, you know, another thing where Steve and I afterwards, we just shrugged his shoulders and went, oh, you know. <laughs> The, 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 it's the first rule of triathlon it? never try something first time on race day oh yeah but, but yeah, no that, bike but that was Steve it's like this is fast you know you got, you really gotta use it you know why wouldn't you not use it you know? 
So um, you talked about he was, you know, the go-to guy for, for you and, and a lot of uh, a lot of triathletes. But um, you know, as much as a lot of people you know hate Lance Armstrong these days, but you know he used him as well from what I could see. And Levi Leipheimer and a bunch of the Americans. And then I saw pictures of uh, of again probably not the best example, Astana team in there. And 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 then it looks like I think he was supplying wheels for for Team Sky as well. So clearly they had a pretty good reputation amongst cyclists as well, um, as well as triathletes. For sure, and 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 a lot of that was due to his relationship with Lance. And um, and I think, uh, you know, once Motorola and then U.S. Postal realized, you know, that, that this guy is his, you know, because you got a lot riding on, on this yeah. stuff, you know, they have a huge investment. And so, you know, you want to get your advice from the best source that you can. Mm. And, um, and, so, and so, you know, Steve was that guy. What, what was he like as a person? Like, describe his personality. Um, kind of geeky, nerdy, um, always had glue or grease on his hands, you know? Um, um, yeah, he was just a, a, a real mad scientist type, you know? He, he would look at things and, and straight away form an opinion on them, and usually it was right. Like, I, I'll give you an example. I was uh, sponsored by this company that uh, made a shoe and pedal system, and this was when Look had the patent on what we know today as, as clipping shoes. And so... And so the way they got around their uh, look patent was to make a shoe with a with a clip-in such that the the clip-in part went up into a gap in the bottom of the shoe. Yep. Right. Yep. So so in the shoes there's a hole. Yep. And and there's a little thing on top of the pedal that pops uh, pops up goes, into the shoe okay, yep, instead yep. of the cleat popping into the pedal. Yep. If you can get my okay. And Steve took one look at that and he goes. That's crazy. <laughs> what if you get some crap stuck up in that hole? Yeah. You know, this thing ain't going to work. Yeah. And sure enough, I'm kidding you, that weekend I was running out of transition and got a bunch of grass and mud yeah. stuck in the hole. And so I, I couldn't clip in. <laughs> and so it took, I, had to, I had to actually pull over, take my shoes off. Clean the hole. Use my tongue and everything else. <laughs> get that shit out of there, and and you know, and uh, you know that was that was the end of that sponsorship deal. And and, and Steve was like that. He just say, "Look, that ain't gonna work." He, he obviously was a pretty caring soul, but oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, he wouldn't. He wouldn't give you insincere advice or 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 fudge things a little bit if he thought you know it, it was his product. Yeah. You know, and like I say, he spent a fortune going to the wind tunnel over the years uh, on his own on his own dime to make sure that this stuff was. He thought, well, he, he thought, yeah, this looks great, but we really need to test it out to make sure. Anything else you want to say about Steve? Well, um, him and Ann did sponsor so many athletes over the years. You know, I, I, can't, I don't know how many sets of wheels mm. they've given out uh, in the last 20 years, but my goodness, it's, you know. They're not. It's not a cheap thing to give away. It's not no. like a free pair of shoes, no. yeah. you know. And so, you know, uh, so it's 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 sad because it's um, you know the 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 tri industry is is a very big industry now. And then I just don't think there's you know we were lucky to have a have a have a guy like that at the beginning, yeah. you know. Um, and and I think he did he did help build a culture of 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 you know triathletes are not nobody's making any money you know yeah. and so so he helped 
foster a culture of generosity, I think, in the industry. Him and Dan Infield, you know, are similar souls in that way. It's like, you know, we got to help these people. Yeah. They got, they don't have any money. They can't afford to buy these wheels or these bikes. And so, you know, between them, um, you know, they they made it possible for a lot of um, pro triathletes, especially to to have the best technology. Mm. So it sounds like a wonderful person, doesn't it? Yeah. So thanks for coming in for that and sharing everything about Steve. I was keen to quickly discuss as well uh, an email I had earlier this week. Um, it was from Neil Scholes, and he sent this new triathlon that's coming out called the ISO Man. I caught that. And so it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it goes. Uh, it's Do you gonna, think it's going to appeal? I don't, I don't think so, but good luck for them to, to give it a go. You're swimming seven miles, you bike 61.3 miles, and you run 26.2 miles. So you run a marathon, and then what they've tried to do is try to make the swim and bike of comparable um, duration, I guess, um, that you're out there. So it's, a, it's an interesting concept, um, but maybe, you know, I know you've told the story before to us, probably not on the show, um, but there used to be like the equilateral trial and things like that so maybe tell us a little bit about that and and how popular that was or how unpopular it was at the time well that's that's right there, um, a guy named Fletcher Hanks uh, had this um, triathlon one of the very first races to have prize money yeah. and um, he came up uh, with this idea of having the Oxford equilateral triangle uh, triathlon which he called it um, that ran concurrently with his other race and so same idea. Each he said each discipline should take about the same amount of time to make it fair. The swimmers were getting a raw a raw deal. And so it was a five point six mile swim, then a fifty mile bike and a twenty mile run. So around two hours each approximately. And um and I did it and there was prize money. Um and the 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 way he set it up was that the long swim was first. So you got a time after the you did a long lap. Then you did the exact same triathlon as everybody else, which was, I think, a 1.5-mile swim, 50-mile bike, 20-mile run. Right. Uh, so right? you started before. So you started before, and then you did the same exact course as everybody else. Yeah. So you actually could compete in both races oh, and okay. win prize money for both races. Uh, yeah, and, and you're so, on the same field. So, so how did they get the timing of the other race? Well, you did, a, you did a long swim lap. You came through, and then you started... Oh, through the time. so you got out of the water and you waited yeah. a few minutes and you... No, no, you didn't wait at all. You just went straight through the, ti- oh, okay. straight through the timing mat. And so it was just time at the end, was it? Yeah. Oh, okay. And so you started, you started the, 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 the normal course that everybody else was doing. Um, once you went through the timing mat, it got your time. And so um, I remember I did it and I remember Eanie Jones did it because I swam on her heels the whole way for the 5.6-mile swim. <sighs> and this was before... Uh, Yamamoto rubber. Uh, yeah. the, this is old wetsuit wet technology, oh. and I, I got the worst <laughs> rubbing on my neck that I've ever had. Sell the scars <laughs> on, on my neck from that from that swim. Just rubbed me to death. And there was a whole bunch of jellyfish. Oh, and uh, so I remember Eni coming out of the water, and her face just looked like she was just gotten a car crash or something from so much <laughs> jellyfish stings. Um, and um, and I think it was a one and done. I don't. I don't think it ever happened again. It might have happened just twice, yeah. perhaps. Yeah. But no. That, how many, so how many people were racing? Uh, not many. <laughs> <laughs> I think there might have been a couple hundred in the normal try, and a, f- a few of us, yeah. maybe a dozen. Did you take it out? I did, and um, and um, I remember calling Cannon being there, and she didn't. I don't think she did the long swim. She just did the normal race. But anyway. Um, I don't think it ever happened again, and and uh, I, I'm not aware of any other tries yeah. 
yeah. that were ever popular that had the same concept. I, th I think it was just too long. This one's just going to put so many people off, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, I think if it was one hour each, mm. that and a three-hour race, let's so let's say for yeah. the for the average guy, yeah. Yeah. I think that might people might think, oh, that's a good idea. So maybe like a what, maybe a three k or two and a half k, probably three k, wouldn't it be? Three three to four k swim, maybe forty k bike, fifteen k run. run. Yeah. I think I think something like that might appeal, mm. um, you know. But how do you this, think it would change the dynamic of a race? Oh, hey, guys like Andy yeah. Potts and you know, good swimmers would would kill would, it, would kill it yeah. for sure. I mean, yeah. like I, I think it would it would it would get a lot of uh, a lot more swimmers. It's like I said, if it was at max three hours, maybe even yeah. shorter, maybe forty minutes each. Yeah, you know, forty minute swim, forty minute bike, forty minute run. Yeah, I think that might be popular, especially with a lot of the master swimmers people. You know, yeah. who who don't do tries because they they don't run much or yeah. don't run at all. Yeah. Um, that might entice them in, but this one, I think the ISO man, I think it's just a little bit too long. Yeah. So and, um, people always love to hear what you're up to. Uh, you had the Queenstown Marathon. Um, anything else on your agenda for the next uh, little period of time? Well, I am signed up for the Full Monty Challenge Wanaka. Ooh, oh, yeah. really? February 22nd. Well, shout out to Victoria, uh, yeah. the race director, for, for, for doing this. But what she does is, is if you win your age group in the half, she gives you a free entry for the full the following year. Uh, okay. and, that's, and that's across... Oh, all, all age groups. So we're talking about like what twenty yeah. free yeah. entries. Yeah. You know, it's a very generous thing to do, mm. and it's it's kind of hard to say no at the time. You know, you think I, I got a year to worry about that, <laughs> <laughs> but now it's it's creeping up, and I really have to decide how to approach this if I really want to try and get fit for it or not. How, how did Erin go at her marathon? Uh, she did all right. She ran four ten. Is she happy with that? Yeah, she was happy with yeah. that. Heck yeah, she's she's like she was pretty stoked that you know like, I was cheering her and uh, yeah. she gave me she gave me the. Ooh. Yeah, no, she, we're both happy just to be running at all, to be injury free, yeah, you know, yeah. to, and uh, so, so I'm, I'm, I'm hopefully going to uh, run a lot this summer. That's the, that's my main uh, aim with, with, with. Uh, do you do a lot of rolling? Uh, yeah, foam rolling. Yeah. Yes, I do. Yeah. 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 Matter of fact, I have a massage with John Ellis this afternoon again. Yeah. Uh, and so, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm better at it now. Yeah. For sure. I need to do that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. got it. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing all that stuff about Steve Head. It was good. To, yeah, it's a real shame we didn't uh, get to interview the man yeah, himself because he was uh, was a yeah, as you've pointed out, you know, a real influence on our sports. So glad we could at least. Uh, it's funny, isn't it? Because we you do get you know like you know yourself and you know the big four, and you know, unfortunately, it's only the people at the top who athletes who get the recognition of of you know what's made the sport what it is, and you know obviously with our show and what Tinley's doing with his website. You know, there are so many people who have made this what it is today. And, uh, you know, guys like Steve are obviously a massive part of that. Yeah, and I mean, like I say, his influence in cycling. Yeah. You know, from so many aspects. things, Some of the things he tried, like this, um, go, going back to the, some of the things that disappeared. He had this around-the-waist uh, belt that you would put around your waist and you would click onto your stem so you could push against it. Oh. Imagine if you're climbing a hill, yeah. mm. you know, and you're sitting down and... So when you push on the, the pedal, you know, you, it's like yeah. it's like being in a leg press. Yeah. Imagine that. So it stabilizes you. Yes, it oh. stabilizes you, gives you something to push against. Wow. Right? What was that like? Uh, it, was, it was okay. Yeah. You know, it was a hassle to put on. Yeah. You know, and um, um, but I think, it, you know, it was a good idea. Uh, but I, love, it, I, love but, I love just thinking about people who think differently. Yeah. You know, like... It's like so, you know, when just you have someone who has just this totally different perspective on the world and how they see the world, and it's like, it's 
kind of crazy to kind of think like the man. So many things, like behind the water, uh, behind the seat water bottle cages. Oh, you know, it, he was one of the first people to, to come up with that. Uh, the between the arrow bars water bottle that you sip out of, yeah. you know, with yeah. the straw. Yeah. He's yeah. one of the first people to, to work on that. You know, so many different arrow helmets, yeah. uh, so many different things that he, you know, his his ideas helped develop and may, and that are popular today we take for granted you know they were none of those things were around yeah we stand on what is it we stand on the shoulders of giants yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice. so yeah good to remember steve cool thanks very much scott yeah all righty we're back and uh scott Molina. he's he's always great on the show isn't he he is he is he's got a Great memory. Well, after we were talking about Melina, he was saying he has a bad memory. I'm like, Melina, you've got the best memory ever. He has the ability to just remember, like, just races he's done and, you know, they are, he's, he's a different legend of the sport. Um, and good to have him talking about Steve Head as well. So, Jombo, let's go back to the show notes. Do you want to sponsor? We will have a look at athlinks.com because they have uh, launched a few new features in the last week and it's pretty damn cool, Bevan. Oh, tell me about it. Yeah, so essentially what you can do now is uh, they've just added some functionality around race results. So when you log on, assuming you've claimed the results, they've now got the Kona results up there, oh, uh, nice. which I'm going to pull up in a second. And when you go on there, then you find your, you, you've, got your, you've claimed that results and it's going to give you instantaneously sort of the differential between yourself and the other people in your age group uh, that are on Athlinks or your, your sort of links that they, they call. So, you know, for me, if I click on Kona Ironman World Championship for me, say my final time was a 10. <laughs> uh, it gives you all, your, all your stats you need to know quickly in terms of, you know, placing in your age group, 150 out of 193, <laughs> 669 out of uh, 1,420 males, 732 overall. Uh, but then what it will do as well is in your particular legs, it will tell you all your sort of pace times. So a lot of the stats that you can get off the website again. And I will keep going back to this point is if you've got your stuff kept on Athlinks, it's there. So, I've, you know, like Ironman South Africa, that was my first Ironman. Yep. That race no longer exists in its current format. There's no results anywhere. No, 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 they're gone. And, and so they're, they're gone. Dead. They're dead to me. But they're not. They're not. So as long as you, you save it all on Athlinks. But then what it will also do is the people that I uh, follow, it will say, you know, so Tim Perkin, it says uh, he did 9.51, so he was 45 minutes in front of me. So all the guys that I follow or I'm connected with will automatically tell me their you know, who I'm with, uh, how I sort of rate against them. So Marion Herring was only uh, 48 seconds behind me. Good old Moose, who was around. And then uh, Richard Eastwood, he was uh, an hour and four minutes behind me. And then it will go into your age group and it will tell you what, you know, how far behind you were the difference within your age group. Man, there's some de bloody depressing reading here. So yeah. good, old, good old Pod, you know, I was an hour 20 and 33 seconds behind him. And you can go, yeah, so it goes through then everybody in your age group. So I think it's a really neat little feature now especially if you've got some connections with you know your links and the people that you race against regularly that are on Athlinks so you can quickly go in there and say right boom I was only 12 minutes behind him or 15 minutes in front of that person and uh, and again I think the main thing though is that it keeps that record set in stone and if the uh, you know not that the high Ironman's going to fall over anytime soon but for, for other races it means that you, you know you've got it set in stone and a lot of these smaller websites are going to you know, going to disappear, not smaller websites, smaller events 
are going to disappear from time to time. You know, your local sprints and Olympics, etc., uh, and the results will just disappear with them. Would well, you know, John, that I my Ironman time, <clears throat> my PB, is in the top nine percent of all Ironmen. Good on athletics. Good, which, but my marathon's in the top six. Yeah, nice. It's kind of cool. So we, I can say I'm a top ten percent athlete in the whole world. Good for you. Yeah, what, what can you say? You could probably say hi. I'm saying I was better than average in Kona. So if I look at the... Uh, no, but not just Kona, your best Ironman. Uh, best Ironman, hold on. If I'm you just, just go to your main page... Well, I just wanted to make myself feel better about okay. Kona. The average time in Kona for males was 11.17. I thought it would be a bit better than that. No, you're, you're a bit, bit, bit than average. Yeah. Just a little, just bit. A little bit better <laughs> just than average. Don't, don't overdo it. Yeah. So, and average female time was 12.20. You know, I haven't done a race in three years. It's weak. Well, it's a bloody body, but next year I'm, I'm hoping to do the race. So, Top age group, athletes age group, was Sam Baxter and Morgan Anderson on the girls' side of things. 9.13 for the boys, 10.18 for the girls. And you had in the... You know my problem? Oh, I've got one win. Against me? Well, no. Yeah, Ashburton, you beat me at Ashburton. Yeah, so I'm not here, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> that's the one I didn't see. I, didn't, I was never good like you, but unfortunately it's not here. Um... Although I'm sure I could find it. What is it? Let's have a look at it. <laughs> no, now, not now. But I, I did win my age group at the Christchurch Marathon in 2001. Nice. Which I didn't even know until now. <laughs> What's that about? You maybe should have gone to prize giving. I remember thinking at the time, like I, like I was a fitness instructor and I turned up and did this race. I did 248, which I didn't know if that was good or not. Like I, I didn't even know. Like I just turned How up old were you then? What am I now? I'm 37, so that was 13 years, about 24. Yeah, so it would have been up to probably 29, so it wouldn't have been that many... You would have thought they'd be a couple of fasters. Maybe they had an elite wave or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I'm not quite sure. But um, but I remember just thinking at the time, like I knew nothing. About, like I seriously didn't even know how to train for a marathon. I just kind of turned up and did my first marathon. And uh, I remember thinking, it's amazing no running clubs get in contact with you. Oh, yeah, no. Same thing would happen now. Yeah, yeah. like, you know, like I was a guy who was obviously okay, you know, mm. 248, you know, not, too, not, you know, like not shabby. You know, and I remember thinking... Well, you think that a running club would kind of contact people who are kind of half decent and they got more important things to do. Obviously, I was not that important. They made a mistake. <laughs> uh, anyway, so uh, athletes.com, guys, you can geek out on your old races. You can see where you sit overall in the world. And uh, it's just a really great kind of resource for your athletic career. I need some music for Statistastic. Sorry, age group of the week has been bumped. Statistastic has to continue. <laughs> if you're in the age group, you're not as important as Statistastic. <laughs> Here we go. Here's Statistastic music. Okay, John, but that's the new music. Oh, Statistic. The new music in this new garage band, it doesn't have the, the, the old jingles which had fade-outs. Yeah. So I'm just kind of doing loops, which is cool, but it's not quite the same. But anyway, John, you, you, you're doing well. Three weeks out of three weeks? You, yeah. You, you, I, I was thinking two weeks. No, I've got plenty more up my sleeve really? yet. Yep. So this week has been you know, largely around Challenge Bahrain and you know, big money on offer, and we all get excited about this. And I kind of think that perhaps you know the Olympic distance side of things uh, maybe doesn't get as much profile as it should do. And I was thinking, so these guys this weekend, they're racing 500,000. Uh, I know that uh, Ironman and Kona is more than that, six, 650 I think it is. Yep. But uh, then there's tax and stuff, so it probably ends up being about the same. So I put into Google, what, you know, what's the biggest payday in triathlon? And I kind of knew that it would be the, lifetime, uh, the, the Des Moines race, yep. the, the high V. And so that used to be over a million dollars, and the winner used to take two hundred thousand nice. out, which was that's a nice payday. That would be awesome, wouldn't it? Imagine if you just like 
I never have things in life that bring me two hundred thousand dollars. No, two hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> and you did see some good racing. I remember. I think the last time it was two hundred thousand dollar race, you had a, a four way sprint going into the finish. You had Fredino. You had Chris Gemmell end up getting fourth. Simon Whitfield and didn't Whitfield take Gomez. it out? Whitfield took it out. Yeah. It was like a lunch. I think it was Carter felt as well. I remember that. Uh, so it was a few years ago now, but wasn't it? Was it? A few years ago. So yeah. it's still a big money race. But then after that, the prize money got halved, and I think maybe it's 500000 now, I yeah. think. So it's still, still big. But, uh, yeah, so the biggest prize purse that I could find, prize money for winning, was 200000 in Des Moines. This is my stat for the week. Statistic. So biggest prize purse ever was $200,000. But then that led me on to one other thing. So this is Statistic Plus Plus. Oh, Plus Plus. This is two facts. You get two facts today. And I found this off someone's website. And, and so I, it must I, be true. It must be true. And I remember this because it, it was uh, pretty significant. Australian Greg Bennett catch, captured the win at the Toyota US Open in Dallas, Texas Sunday, as well as accompanying bonus checks for winning each of the late races in the Lifetime Fitness Triathlon Series, subsequently trumping the, big, the, the BG Des Moines World Cup as now the richest payday in triathlon history a simply addition a, sim, uh, a simple addition calculating the total amount for the three gigantic checks cradled tightly under Bennett's arm as he strode around the finishing chute equaled $420,000 nice. uh, Bennett completed the richest winning streak in triathlon history winning the final stop of the lifetime fitness triathlon series the championship race in Dallas the win topped in an improbable run that included victories at the previous four races that included Minneapolis, New York City, Chicago and Los Angeles. Now Greg Bennett is renowned as being a money maker. Why? Oh yeah. Why? I don't know. He just, he delivered at the big money races. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I do remember this race where he had to win this last one to get the, full, the, the massive bonus payday. Yeah. And he had to beat, you know, Bevan Dockett and a few other guys there. Hey, boys. Well, if he was sensible, he probably would have done. Yeah. Uh, maybe he did, maybe he didn't. But, yeah, like when he won... He won How um, much would it take? So, if I, Jombo, I'm, I'm Greg Bennett and I'm going to win 420k. Yes, I wish. <laughs> and you're racing against me. We're pretty even. Right. You know, on your day, you can beat mm-hmm. me. On my day, I can beat you. We're pretty close. And uh, I come to you before the race and I say, mate, I'm going to, you know, take on 420k yeah. if I win this race. I want to guarantee this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, let's not be silly. Yeah. How much would you need? Well, you'd have to need significantly more than the win. No, no, no. no for, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So say the win was $50,000. Okay. You'd need significantly more than that. If I was significantly going. more? So yeah. what, what number would you throw at me? Oh, I don't know. I have a number. What, number, what, what number would you go for? 55? Give me 50. I'll give you 55. Uh... 55 uh, and it's got to be independent of him winning so it's like whether you win or you don't because Greg Bennett has to, then he has to control everybody in the field but if he says if, if you don't beat me if you finish behind me I'll give you 55 between 55 and 200 would be okay with me because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah it's an interesting one isn't it I'm an unethical bastard Bevan what would you do would you take the money so you're running you've got 1k to go you're running shoulder to shoulder with Greg Bennett and he says Bevan I'll give you $75,000 if you let me take this. Oh, it's a tough one, isn't it? Mm. It is a tough one. Because for us, we kind of, you know, we, most age group athletes, you're having these one or two key races a year. Mm. These guys are racing, you know, all the time. Mm. So to have a race where you get second, you know, so be it, you know. It's easy to be hypocritical and say, oh, I wouldn't take money. Ethics would come on top of that. But uh, I think that 
if you're in a big money sport, then you go money doesn't money shmoney, you know. Well, this is the last documentary I watched a while ago, and one of his big key races when he was a young fella, he paid off the field, and one of the, the mm. and uh, it was a real big race in America, and it was, it was his first real significant one. It was a massive prize day, and uh, and yeah, and they had the guy he paid off to win it, and uh, yeah, yeah, I think a lot of it probably happens, especially in yeah. cycling, eh? Oh yeah, it's cycling's. <laughs> Let's talk about ethics yeah. and cycling. Anyway. <laughs> Who would take the money? Maybe that should be the discussion uh, question of the week. Oh, did we, Actually, yeah. did we even do a, a Oh, we didn't even do it. Okay, no. we should take the money. No, uh, or do you want to do the question? Well, the question is, if Conan and other oh, people will just lie. I, I think this one's a better one. Oh, everyone's going to make it. So you're saying everyone has no Everyone say, oh, I've got, no, everyone will say, oh, I wouldn't do that. I, uh, it's like, <laughs> you're if, saying they have fairly lies. I would say most people would. If you're a struggling triathlete, it doesn't make that much, much money. If you were well off and you're making millions anyway, then it's, you know, hey, I'll give you uh, $500,000. You're going to get a million anyway. I was like, well, it doesn't matter. <sighs> That's but, fine. Okay. But if you're a struggling triathlete. Everyone's going to lie. That's how you think of the audience. I don't. Yeah. I believe everything they say is true. Yeah, whatever. Uh, if you, if Kona and other events were not free online coverage, would you pay to watch them? And if so, how much? E.g. ITU charge for 20 euro for the season? Yeah. Which is actually pretty fair, really, isn't it? 20 mm. bucks, nothing. So if I, if but I, do you, do you I watch them all? Uh, I do. I'm a trainer. Yeah, yeah. Not, I will. I I will now. In the past, I got it on my Sky Sky subscription, so okay. I didn't didn't pay because I was paying my Sky subscription anyway. But now I don't pay my Sky subscription. What do you mean? You got uh, Sky? I turn my Sky. No, I turn my sport off. I'll what turn do you it back mean? on. Well, I don't watch it. There's a reason you have Sky, isn't it? They have sport. No, no, we've got heaps more other channels and we've got our Sky Dakota so you can my Sky everything. So uh, wow. I just don't watch any sport. I, I really, really want to watch sport, but I just don't, uh, I'm not allowed to. Oh. <laughs> that truth comes out. No, I am allowed to, but <laughs> I, I have to but, do it in my 15 minutes a day. No, it's the thing. Prioritise, you know. What, yeah. do you, what were you if, watching if, when if you If I've got a spare hour, I'd probably rather go for a run. Was it rugby? Sorry? I'd watch rugby maybe on a, a weekend. I'll watch your blacks. I'd watch, uh, but it, it, uh, I Tour de France was the main reason I used to get Sky. So do you get it back for that, do you? I might turn it on for the month of July. How much does it cost you for the sport? I can't remember. It's not, it's not actually that much, but it's like, well, I'm really just not watching it. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's only, it might have been 20 bucks a month, something like that. But I was like, well, 20 bucks a month, I'm Man, still if you not watching that, it. I've just read Tony Robbins' new book about money. Yeah. If you invested that, you could retire. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, so statistic for this week was uh, Greg Bennett making the big money. 200000 was the biggest prize. And this week's question of discussion of the week is if Kona and other events were not free online, would you pay for the coverage? And if so, how much? And I'd, I'd probably almost be specific to Kona. It's like, they said, right, Kona's not free this year. We're still going to do the same coverage. Would you pay for it? And how much? Okay, we'll talk about that next week. Mm. Uh, Jobbo, we have got one question and answer at the end. Uh, uh, question yeah, and And it's just from Murray Lapworth. And Murray Lapworth is the train spotter of the week. And in fairness, he is com- completely correct. I got an email from Larry Letworth going, Bevan, uh, are you feeling a little mathematically challenged lately? I am talking list episodes numbers 435, 436, 437, 348, 349, 440. And so I thought, oh, that's good. You're back on track for 440. And then I heard the introduction from last week's 444, which is absolutely right. And, and what happened was, I don't know what happened with the threes in, in the show notes. I'll go back and change that. And then last week, I did the intro, because what happens is we, we record in the main studio here. We've got a yeah. studio dedicated to my yeah. house, a.k.a. the lounge. Is this the lounge? It's kind of like a dining room, dining isn't it? Dining room. Yeah. 
And um, in music area. Yeah. Hit my music area. And then I record the intro, but then I take it into my office and do everything in post in my office. Mm-hmm. And I, I put 444. And then when I got in my office, I realized that it was wrong. But I thought, no one's going to notice. Oh. Not on Muzzle Atworth. He really picked it up. Yeah. And then he picked up the website as well. So... He's right. I, I, I need to sharpen up. You so can. this week, oh, 441, I got that right in the intro, which yeah. is good. And uh, all the website will be correct. So good. There we go. Good to hear. Good on Mazza. Sponsors. Athletes.com. Uh, social networking for endurance athletes. And extreme endurance. Galactic buffer. Okay, John Boo, what I want to know from you is... My kitchen was operational last night. That's probably my main highlight for the listeners. They're going well over time, John. Uh, to be fair, they're probably on. A, it's probably about what we expected, but just to just drag on a little bit too long. Probably took what six six weeks or so. Six weeks with our kitchen, but we got operational last night. It's not finished, but it's fully operational. The electricians came in. What dishwasher? Dishwasher's in. So you don't have to do dishes? I rolled the fridge into place last night. Have you got the ice? you got the water thing? No, no. We just we kept our old fridge. Oh, nice thinking. And yep. And we're all operational. Induction hob. That's pretty funky. What does that mean? Uh, so it kind of creates a magnetic field between your pots. And, and, uh, oh, really? And, and it's got a little slider, so it's all finger controlled. And uh, it's <laughs> just, go, you know, the temperature goes up and down real, real quick. So it's really precise and controlled. Now you have to learn. So we're, we're a Fisher and Paykel family. That's a great New Zealand company. We've got Fisher and Paykel. Uh, everything. Uh, for that $20 you saved. I should. Yeah. yeah. I'll reinvest that. Yeah. Uh, outside of that, Bevan, um, we've got. Do healthcare as well. Yeah. They do well in the healthcare. Yeah. So that's where they do really yeah, well, I think. Some good money. What else? Christmas is coming, Bevan. Christmas tree is going to be going up today, I think. Oh, this yeah, is up. up. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Can't get, unfortunately, can't get a real Christmas tree because Thomas got allergies to that. So I have to say, I love real Christmas trees. Gutted, um, really gutted. Oh, when the kids go, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can get a Christmas tree again. Yeah. It is nice because Joe, Joe was going to turn the lights off at night the other night. And I was like, Leave them on. And I came home from band practice last night about midnight because that's how you roll when you're in a band. And uh, it is nice to walk into the house having the Christmas mm. lights on. Mm, totally. Because the problem in New Zealand is it's so light at night. Yes. You often go to bed when the you know. If you want to do fireworks, you've got to stay up real late. Yeah, you do. What else is happening? Uh, what else is happening? Just ticking over, getting a bit fitter, back running. How's the running, running going? going? Running's going nicely. My first hill run at the weekend. Legs, you know, get a little bashed around from getting back into it. But all in all, Auckland Marathon, it's all on target. One week of training. When do you, when do you enter? Don't know. I don't think as we Ironman are taking over the entry process this year, so I'm not quite sure when that is happening. You but, talk. I'm going to find out when it enters. Uh, it's not open yet. I've, I checked the other day. So yeah, it's going to be an interesting development. So WTC have bought the Auckland Marathon. It's a big race in New Zealand. Doesn't sell out in terms of the full, but the half certainly does, and it's a great race. I'm going to have a chat to the guys that uh, guys up there and see if we can get a little I am Talk challenge going on for the Auckland Marathon. So if you're thinking about signing up. Oh, well, we, we do a challenge. Yeah, we'll do some handicap sort of challenge. I'm looking for a good time, and we can base it off other people's PBs. Maybe do th- something. Is it a nice course? Thing? Yeah, it's a great course. Is it really? As far as marathons going, it's as I think it's as good as it gets. You got some hills. You got the Harbour Bridge. Uh, you run along the waterfront, so there's not a lot of yeah. There's not a lot of crap where you're running through crappy side streets or anything like that. So no, I think it's uh, it's a fantastic course. Oh, okay, uh, April, right? April. So there you go. There you go. <laughs> Uh, any other goss? Did you have a work party? Yep. Does Belinda have a work party? Yeah, that was on Friday. How had, was that? Had the dance floor. Did you? You rock it up? Yeah. Bit of fundraiser. It was the 
Christ, uh, the Canterbury or Christchurch Hospice Charity Ball. Ooh. Got dressed up in the tux and everything. Did you really? On the same Friday night? Friday night, yeah. Was well, a work function there as well? Yeah, 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 yeah. Some guy tried to, there was, you know, they're trying to gouge you with money. It's, it's fundraising, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, they had, you know, they had all the, you know, the, uh, You the, get those big rollers in and you feel bad then, don't you? Well, yeah, they had all the auctions auctioning this, that and the other thing off. And what were they auctioning? Um, like radio advertising, go 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 with the Crusaders, which is our rugby team going inside the dressing room sort of thing like that. Uh-huh. And then they had some silent auctions and they had uh, some New World vouchers, which is a supermarket in New Zealand. I thought, well, that's practical. I'll use yeah. them if I win it. And so Belinda went and put a bid. It was $300 worth of vouchers. She put bid $300, great. Yeah. And then a couple of people bid after her and then I said, oh, I'll bid $330. Yeah. Give some uh, charity. And then somebody bid underneath me $320. Hmm. That's an interesting bit. That's a good strategy. <laughs> good I'm strategy. Get taken you make yourself feel good about actually getting your name on the list. But did you win? I, well, the last time I went and checked, our name was still in the leading position. But uh, then they took the lists away, so I'm not quite sure. We haven't heard from them yet. <sighs> so then we had wine and food festival the next day. Santa parade on Sunday. It was a big weekend. Are you finding you put on a bit of weight at this time of year? No, no, I'm, I'm uh, fasting. I haven't eaten anything today yet, and it's 8.47, and I got up at 5, and I've had a swim, a 3K swim. I you're shrinking I'm away. wasting away over here, and I'm ready to wrap the show up. <laughs> Wait a second, What's happening the Food Festival? Yeah, it was pretty... Drunkenness? Wasn't too much of that. I tell you Nerdity? what, if, if I was going to start a new business in Christchurch right now, uh, and, and uh, I think hair gel is the way to go. Oh, really? Why is this? Uh, Every dude there had their hair all slicked and jammed. Yeah, the, the barber's like, in the big right now, isn't oh, it? Oh, crikey, it's just unnecessary. Oh, come on. <laughs> come on. We like our hair. Oh. You've said that you don't want to lose your hair. I don't want to lose my hair, but product. Do you not use product? I don't use product. Ever? No. Even when you get out for like a... No. Going oh. grey. My greys are really starting to come through. Really? Mm. I'm not going grey. Mm. I'm starting to recede. Hidden. Um, anything else? No, what's happening in your world, Bevan? We have we, we have work function. I heard that. Belinda said, listen, Belinda and Jean go to the gym and you've got your, your, gay, your gay instructor, Sully, yep. who they just think is just they love his him. knees. They, they love him. They think he is Christmas. They said it. They love Pulls him. Pulls his top off every bloody, uh, after everything, and he cracks these jokes. <laughs> Apparently only Jean and uh, Belinda get. Insiders. I don't think he pulls, jokes. the way you've made it, it's not like he pulls his top off like a stripper. I think it's more he's changing his top and they're perving. Whatever. No, I'm, I'm pretty sure your wives yeah. are perving at him. Huh. Yeah, probably are. Yeah, yeah. So you had your Christmas dinner. Apparently, they turned up on Saturday and they were ropey. It was very entertaining night. Yeah. It was very entertaining. One thing about Lesmo's instructors, they do know how to party. And uh, when there's free alcohol on the line, I have to say, we went to, um, you know, in the gardens now, they've got that white building, the new CAF in the gardens. It's really oh, cool. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So they had it there. And we turn up and uh, wines and everything. And it, was, and it was a bit flash. Everyone kind of dressed up quite mm-hmm. nice. So it was kind of, you know, like I put some sharp clothes on. And uh, they start bringing food around. And, and, and they're bringing so much food and really nice food. Yeah. You're thinking, oh, it must be, um, you know, it's not a meal as such. It's, you know, kind mm. of. Canopies, just yeah, yeah. canopies, and but they just kept coming. I was mm. like, oh my God. And I said, I kept eating the weather. Oh, yeah. Making, yeah, the, making the most of this. Yeah. Walk in the room. We've got a smorgasbord after that. Oh, oh I was so Strategy was, you, you've got to research these things. Oh, well, no, I just kept eating. I yeah. just, I tell you what, they had the most amazing ham off the bone. Yeah. Oh, going to die now. Was that? Yeah, you're going to die. China studies, you're going to die. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because then I had some meat, yeah. some chicken and some lamb. That yeah. was, it delivered in dessert was good. Mm-hmm. 
like eight, like you wouldn't believe. And then, uh, so the funny, so then they had the awards and had speeches and stuff, and it was pretty entertaining. And uh, one of our workmates is a guy called Yuki, who's this guy from Japan, and he's a, he's a bit of a character. And, um, and he got pretty drunk. He was pretty, because mm. basically yeah, every time his name got mentioned, he stand up and scold a, a glass of red wine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he, he doesn't normally really drink. Yeah. He looked, he looked like he goes really red, like when he gets yeah. drunk. He was red within 10 minutes of arriving. Like we picked him up. So we, we're taking him home, and he wasn't he wasn't healthy. Yeah, windows yeah. open. <laughs> we had to pull over a couple of times, and then uh, Joe Joe goes because Joe was really didn't want him to be on the car. Like, <laughs> she, she goes, Yuki, Yuki, don't be on the car if you need to pull over. And he goes, Oh, don't worry, they do a good job of cleaning the car at the Palms. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that was his joke the way home. So yeah, he was very entertaining. So had that, and then um, but Joe and I we were civilized because good. you know we're high society. Cool. And then uh, then barbecue Saturday night, barbecue Sunday night. So it's mm. eating season has begun. You have to go some running. Well, I put my back. Oh. Yeah, got Shaker's back. Shaker's back. Made a big night. The other, yeah. night. Yeah. Uh, other than that, that's pretty much it. This week, what's happening? Just getting ready for Christmas. I think I haven't got too much planned this week. Just looking forward to a bit more running. Pulling this present, sorted. Oh, go on, let it out, let it out, let it How out. How long have we been going? We're going to shorten these no, shows. No, no, let it out. What are you going to say? So we we're standing there last week, and we're still going. We're going to get each other presents because we kind of we both kind of want other things uh, that we're going to get anyway for ourselves. So, oh yeah, we might as well. What uh, do you want? Uh, I'm going to get a mountain bike. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. We've discussed this. You, you can't listen. Uh, yeah, listen. And we both had an idea. Okay, I've got something small. It's about hundred bucks. I was going to get you. Yeah. And we said, she goes, oh, I have two. And she goes, I think we're getting the same thing. And I think, I think, yeah, I think we are too. What was it? And so we had to get Thomas had to be our middleman. To see if it was the same thing. So we're walking home from school one day. We, we both went and picked the kids up. And uh, Thomas thinks this is a great game. Yeah. And so I tell Thomas what I'm going to get Belinda. And uh, and then Belinda tells Thomas what she was going to get. And he's just <laughs> laughing his head off, thinking it's the funniest thing. And it yeah. was the same thing. What was it? Soda Stream. Oh, are you going to do a Soda Stream? We're going to. But now so I don't know if she's. I've got her something. I'm not sure. If, I like surprises, so I don't really want a Soda Stream. Because it's no longer a surprise. Yeah. But do you think you'd want a soda stream? Uh, well, she would use it a bit. I don't think I would. I'm not much of a fizzy drink. But she she likes her just soda water. Because we went to Briscoe's. Because like for my birthday, I got a $50, no, $100 Briscoe's mm-hmm. voucher. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure why I got a Briscoe's voucher. Mm-hmm. Went to Briscoe's. I don't want anything from Briscoe's. Briscoe's is like home appliances home, and stuff. Yeah, home wear. Mm. And, uh, and soda stream was the only thing I thought I would buy. Mm. And then I got some new shavers because I needed, I don't, I don't use. You have to shave so often. <laughs> That's a daily occurrence for me. <laughs> Yeah. No, because I don't use a razor. I use a clippers. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm such a man. You're man. just a hairy beast. Yeah, because I don't like the clean shaven look. I like a couple days look. <sighs> so what I do is I, let, I shave once a week my clippers. Yeah. And I look What's a bit that? rough. I look a bit rough. Rugged. You know? Right. Wrap it up. Gel? Yeah. yeah. Iron rust. I mean, don't train hard. Train smart. Care car. One other thing. Oh, I thought we need to wrap it up. We're probably going to have a Legends show release this week. Who? Matt Brick. Who's Matt Brick? He's a two time world duathlon champion, general legend from New Zealand. New Zealand. And have you ever heard of doing a Brick session? Yes, this is where it was named after. Is that true? No. Oh, I actually thought that was the case. Yeah. Anyway, here we go.